Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Rimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us here on uh, 101 ESPN and the Air Alliance team studio cam. On the, or do we have it now, Matthew? Matthew Rocchio is here. Brooke Grimsley is here. So, yeah, we got the studio cam if you want to watch us. Brooke and I are both adjusting our cameras so that Mine you, always goes so you can see your face. All the way to the corner for huh. whatever reason. I wonder why that is. That's so that know. they can't see your face. Oh, yeah. You don't want to see that. Oh, people want to see. No. So, no. Yeah, you can just hop onto the old YouTube, type in 101 ESPN STL, and uh, you can not only watch us, but you can subscribe to the 101 ESPN channel. Hey, look at your face. We want to see your face. Yeah. You want to see my face? There it is. See, they do. <laughs> they want to see our, both of our faces, Randy. Yeah. Uh, so, Brooke, tell us about your morning so far. Well, Randy, um, I'm having the Mondayist. Monday ever in existence. So this morning, I make myself coffee every single morning, like a lot of people do as you're driving to work. And I was just driving in this morning, you know, do, 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 minding my business. I have the coffee in my hand just to set up the situation and it's open and I'm about to take a sip. And right when I do that, I hit a pothole and Randy, my hand or hand eye coordination is typically really good, but it's one of those moments where I felt like I was in a cartoon where it just flew up, <laughs> landed in my lap and just coffee over my entire lap. That's the way that I'm starting my Monday. <laughs> you, you need to sue somebody. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, did you, did you ever look into that story even more with that McDonald's woman? Yeah, uh-huh. It was bad. It so really she was, had a really legit hot. claim. Yeah. She had third degree burns. Yeah. Now, this is totally different. This was just coffee I made in my own home. I have no one else to blame but myself. I can't even the get po- mad about the pothole. Pot- I think you can get mad about the pothole. Can I get mad at the pothole? Sometimes yeah. they're very sneaky. Yeah. They, they just come out of nowhere. They, especially when it's dark. Yeah. yeah. And so that's how my Monday is starting off, Randy, is uh, coffee in my lap. Luckily, my very, very, very sweet say is dropping off some new pants for me so that you guys don't have to deal with coffee-smelling pants in this okay. room for the rest of the morning. <laughs> Here's what we got coming up on the show. A lot to get to as we head towards the Super Bowl. Super Bowl week is upon us. We'll talk to the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, coming up at 8.15. And then at 9.15, Joe Buck will join us, of course. He's done his share of Super Bowls and does Monday Night Football. And he's got the Super Bowl back on ABC in a few years. But he's, he's a big Blues fan, big Cardinals fan. Uh, he'll he'll give us some stuff. I want to find out about Tom Brady, if he thinks Tom Brady is going to wind up going to Fox. Ooh. So we'll ask him that. That'll be a good question. Yeah. I want to follow up with, I saw that he did an interview where he mentioned maybe, maybe he would join Chip Carey in the booth yeah. just for fun one day. So you have the Carey Buck reunion. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Harry and Jack did games for years mm-hmm. and Chip and Joe are tight. So yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, not a great weekend for sports here in St. Louis. First of all, there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, second of all, that was what was going on wasn't pleasant. Saturday over at uh, Chaffetz, Fordham beats Slough. 
67-65. SLU had a chance late, and as they are wont to do lately, they failed down the stretch. They've lost eight of nine now, Brooke. They're eight and 14 overall, one and eight, and in last place in the A-10 conference. Ooh. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of bad for the uh, the Billikens. Is it worse than scuffling? At this point, we're just kind of writing it out till yeah, the it's, end. Yeah, it's just bad. This is like a 71-win baseball season. And I, I really do like Travis Ward, so I don't like to, you know, say somebody possibly would be losing their job. But, Randy, is it fair to guess that this is where we're heading? I think it's fair to guess that, although I think... College basketball is in such a ridiculous place right now. It is. I don't think any coach really has a chance. Mm-mm. It's really bad. So I feel bad for Travis. I feel bad for Dennis Gates at Mizzou. They fell to Vanderbilt, 68-61. Mizzou is 8-14 also. They're 0-9 in their conference, last place in the SEC. Who saw that one coming? I knew that it wasn't going to be that good of a year for him, but I wasn't expecting this, especially against Vanderbilt. Both of them have not won a game in the conference yet. And so it was a battle of the beatens rather than the unbeatens, Randy. And Mizzou ended up coming out as the one who continues to say beaten. So that is just not good. I I understand with the transfer portal and everything, when it comes to recruiting-wise, I think that he is doing better, right, going into next season. But at the same time, this is just... A really bad year for him. You have yeah, to give them a mulligan, right? Yeah, you do. But man, it's, bad. it's just it's just really it's really bad. The area of basketball, aside from the Illini, is bad. The 14th ranked Illini knocking off Nebraska last night, 87-84. So that was action packed. And congratulations to the Illini, who are number 14 in the country, and they are not in last place in their conference. So yeah, yay! Go Brad Underwood. <laughs> NHL All Star Game. Uh, I must confess, I missed it. Uh, team what? Matthews over Team McDavid, seven to four. Why'd you miss it, Randy? Robert Thomas, friend of the show, Robert was on there. Robert Thomas uh, held scoreless in the game, played six minutes. <laughs> Austin Matthews had two goals and an assist, and his team won, so he won the MVP. Yeah, um, I don't know what was on during the uh, All Star game games, uh, but I missed it. Whatever it was, I well, did see had the Pro li- Bowl. Oh, maybe I was watching flag football or something like that, or maybe dodgeball or something like that. I may have been watching something like that. I was actually sitting last night saying to myself, I can't believe that people watch pro football players playing flag football as I sat there watching pro football players <laughs> playing f- flag football. You're like, who, who in the world yeah. watches this? Yeah. And then it, uh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> right there. I will say I thought that they made it a little bit more exciting. The NHL All-Star Weekend, I caught bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. and it looked like a really great presentation to show, but it, sometimes it's just hard to follow. I feel like the pace of it mm-hmm. is what feels a little bit off to me, yeah. but I like their jerseys a lot. Jerseys were cool. By you the way. had the Biebs there. Yeah, that that was in a giant jacket. Did you see him yeah, with yeah. That, wearing that giant Very jacket? Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, jersey's not a little bit garish, you don't think? Uh, I guess. I, it was garish, a colla- garish isn't necessarily bad. No, it was a collaboration with Justin Bieber's brand, Drew. Okay. And so they were meant to look a certain way. So I didn't necessarily hate it. No, it's, it's kind it's of... It's trendy. It's cute. Yeah, that's a, it's a music thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, music, congratulations to Swift, the album of the year, too. Yeah, that'll make the Super Bowl a little bit better. A little bit better, will yeah. it? Now, did, do you think she got on a plane for Japan right away after the Grammys last night? Because she's got three shows in Tokyo, I believe, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I wonder if she's flying out this morning or left, left last night. Man, Randy, is, there, is there a sports equivalent to winning an award 
and then pretty much saying, here's the thing I'm going to do next that's also going to win a lot of awards. As she accepts her award and then says, by the way, fans, um, get ready for me to sell a couple hundred million new copies and win another one of these in a yeah. year. That's, I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of somebody calling their shot like that while holding a trophy in their hand already. Yeah, it would have had to do have been Michael or something like that. But yeah, that would be hard to do. It would be. Iconic. Yeah. And she also announced a brand new album. Yeah, that's what she is about. booked yeah. and busy. Yeah, she's doing well. Congratulations to Swifty. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. She does, but and she, she's dating Travis Kelsey. Yeah, who's playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday, coming up Sunday, against the San Francisco 49ers. The final round of the Pebble Beach Invitational postponed until today at Pebble Beach golf links in uh, California. Wyndham Clark leads at 17 under. He was 12 under on Saturday in the third round. Four other golfers that you've never even heard of are within three shots of the lead. <laughs> say his name the right way. Uh, Wyndham Clark. Thank you. That's the right way to say it. Wyndham. It, it sounds wrong when it you said it the way, first like, time. Yeah, Randy, like, who is that? You've never called Wyndham Clark that before. I didn't hear correctly. Like, yeah, Wyndham Clark. Who is that? Yeah. So uh, here we go with the other guys. Uh, and I, I was serious. Four guys that you've never heard of. Okay. Ludwig Aberg is in second place. 16 How are under. you unfamiliar with him? Ludwig Aberg. Great uh, you've got Matthew Pavon, uh, uh, who's not American. He's a 15 under. You've got Mark Hubbard. He may own or may not own our radio company. Oh, then he's uh, fantastic. He's a 14 under, yeah. And then you've got Thomas Detry, or Dietry, at 14 under. And then uh, finally, you've got Jason Day, who you have heard of at 13 under. So, uh, yeah, but the, the, the next four guys, Ludwig Aberg, Matthew Pavon, Mark Hubbard, and Thomas Detry, they are going to bring a lot of viewership to CBS this afternoon in the final round of the Pebble Beach Invitational. Golf nerd moment. When was the last time Jason Day was actually in contention to win like a, a legitimate tournament? I think he actually had a good uh, down the stretch Did last really? year. Really? I think he had a, a, a good round. I guess yeah. maybe, maybe or good, 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 good for him, I good guess. Good weekend. Yeah. Uh, and he'll, uh, if uh, Rory gets his way, he'll be able to play on his home turf coming up pretty soon. Because Rory wants to, Rory wants to take golf out of America. No. He wants to take it out. It is very strange to see him completely change his yeah. tune. Yeah, he has. Now he wants to have it be the World Golf Tour, and you know he says, no, "I don't want to completely take out America, but I just want to have, you know, I want to have tournaments in ten different countries." Yeah, it's all about the money. It is. Yeah, it's he, all he, about the money. He wants, I'm doing the Johnny Manziel yeah, thing. Yeah. By he the wants way. golf in India. Now I get Dubai. I get mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia because that's money that's that's who owns the tour uh australia yeah it's cool good so yeah but i I wonder what tournaments he wants to take away from american cities i don't know no Uh, idea soccer the world cup championship will be played at metlife stadium in new jersey in 2026 there had been talk of the possibility of Dallas getting that game. There was also talk of Stan Kroenke pulling out completely if he didn't get the championship. However, the first round of action will take place on the West Coast, and the games will be played at SoFi Stadium. So somehow, they were able to pacify Stan Kroenke, who, oh, by the way, is going to have to upgrade his stadium to the tune of $100 million to make it sufficient for World Cup soccer play. By 2026? Yes, they have to take out rows of seats so that the surface area of the stadium is large enough to uh, have a World Cup soccer match. And how much did he spend on the stadium in the first Eh, place? Almost $6 billion. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, Pebble Beach has canceled the tournament. The Bulletin, apparently official, uh, they, they've called uh, Wyndham Clark the winner. So they are going to be playing on CBS today. Was it the wind? Yes, wind and, and Wyndham tsunami. Clark. Wind, uh, well done, Brooke. <laughs> Wyndham Clark. Uh, Matthew, do you have your uh, that uh, Chris Long tweet up that you were telling me about? We'll get to the Chris Long tweet, and we've got three things we uh, we loved about the weekend. But uh, well, what did Chris write? And by the way, the 49ers season last year was kind of ruined at MetLife Stadium when they played back-to-back games there against the Giants and the Jets. And here's what Chris Long what, had two tweets. Our uh, buddy, Chris Long. The first was a, a quote tweet of the announcement that it was going to be held at MetLife, and he said, let's bring the most expensive ACLs on the planet to MetLife. Brilliant. And then he followed that up by saying... I don't care if FIFA demolishes that stadium and builds a new one with Kentucky Blue. All the ruptured ACLs will haunt that new stadium. It's like a poltergeist situation. (laughs) Burial ground. (laughs) That is so good. But it's true, because you have heard there's been so many injuries. Obviously, we know the big one that happened this this past season, but there have been so many injuries. I thought thought the big one that happened was Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, no. Well, well... You never know, but I, I completely agree with them. Maybe they could actually do something to change that because that would be very dangerous, I feel like, in that situation. Isn't SoFi haunted too? Have you seen that? Where no. I guess some people died during the construction of it? Well, when the devil builds a house, it's there's going to be something that goes on to right? <laughs> it's a yeah, sacrifice. There, there, were, there were people that uh, died on the construction site. but So you know what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the guy who was financing it didn't care. They just said, well, sorry, and then kept working because we had to have a, we had a deadline that we had to get done by. That's a bad omen to yeah. have around your stadium. And Maybe then, that's why you can't get any fans in there, Randy. The, the interesting thing was, so they kept working and working and working to have it done by this deadline. They were going to open with, I think, five Taylor Swift shows, ironically. And so they're working, working, working. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, and they're almost set to get it de- done by the deadline. And then we get a pandemic. So it was done a year ahead of time. <laughs> Sorry, Stan. Uh, for you all don't that overtime. So for all that overtime. Yeah, it happens. It happens. All right, we are off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac, of course, will rejoin us tomorrow, Tuesday through Friday for Danny Mac. Coming up, three things we love from the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Matthew, Randy, and three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Number three. Uh, Brooke, you know what was cool is, for the most part this weekend, we really had good weather in St. Louis. I loved being able to drive around with my roof open over the course of the weekend, especially on Saturday, and just sing along to songs really loud. It was great. It was a great day for uh, driving with the roof open and singing really loud. What were you singing, Randy? Oh, I was singing Bee Gees. I was, uh, I, I was doing a lot of... Hotel California? I... I there was no Hotel California, but there was some Eagles there. Life in the Fast Lane, as a matter of fact. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, it, uh, it was just a really cool weekend to do that kind of thing. Kind of makes you feel great. Kind of, you know, gets your juices flowing. It was it, great. It was. It was just so nice. But do you also get kind of nervous when it's this nice out this early? I feel like in February, oh. typically there's at least one more snow storm or something that you will have coming. And so I get, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, is this going to be real? Will this be sustainable? Or am I about to have some more cold weather coming soon? I, I trust Tempe. 
and Tempe tells me that uh, we're going to be in the 50s and 60s for a while. No, I, I think that we are to the point now in our existence where winter is over. Uh, we, we've we've had our winter and we're done. You don't believe that? Cautiously I never, optimistic. I never trust. I never trust the weather in this so, city. So you, so you get what I'm saying, right, Brock? It's, it's. You're just kind of nervous about it. So one time it rained, or rained. It snowed in March. Like yep. uh, it was a Saturday afternoon, and we got like three inches of, of snow. And I, I was with my daughter Katie, and decided that um, we would do uh, Thanksgiving in March. And I was right over here and just pulled in, got a got a turkey, got some mashed potatoes, got some stuffing, mm-hmm. and I made uh, I, I made Thanksgiving in uh, in March. Yeah, in my life, there's been a snow in the March 20s. Like, in that in, in that block of days, March 20-something, I remember it being, I remember it like thinking, it's like March 24th and there's snow on the ground. I, I, I'm baffled and angry. One time the Cardinals opener got snowed out. And then, really? Yeah, and that's why they always have the day after the scheduled opener open. Mm-hmm. And so the opener got snowed out like four inches of snow on a at noon in early April, and then the next day was sixty five degrees. <laughs> that's not normal, right? No, no, no. But it was cool. I'm glad that we got the opener. It was like in the late eighties, too, eighty eight, something like that. There was one time when I was a kid. They called off school because it was supposed to be like twenty degrees, and like four inches of snow. We're gonna like dump on St. Louis at like six a.m. And that happened. And by noon, it was fifty five yep. degrees, and all the snow from six a.m. was melting. And it's like <laughs> this is the same day. Yeah, it's insane. It's like Denver without the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You don't see all the beautiful mountains right outside of the window, Randy. What are you talking about? Now I can go over to Cahokia Mountains. I can just picture you this weekend just singing, jamming out. Probably some T Swift in there, too. Oh, yeah, there is some Swifty. Yep. That's a nice day. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy going outside as well. My number three thing from this weekend is going to be last night, actually. I I really am going to be honest with you guys. I don't pay attention to the Grammys that much. I just kind of see clips. And then when I saw that Luke Combs brought out Chase, Tracy Chapman mm-hmm. to sing Fast Cars, mm-hmm. that was a spectacular moment. Because one, that is one of my favorite songs ever. Mm-hmm. And for Tracy Chapman, she hasn't come out and actually story. done performances <laughs> in a couple of years. So right. that was a huge moment. And Luke Combs... He basically said when he wanted to redo that song or cover it that he grew up listening to that. He remembers his dad playing it on the cassette, and so that's why he wanted to redo it. It's just one of my favorite songs ever. I like his version, but I really love Tracy's version. Yeah, they both did a really good job with it. I wonder if any Luke Combs fans were not aware of the fact that she actually sang it in the 80s and were kind of freaked out. You think? Maybe. I don't know. I would hope not. I I would hope that in this day and age of the internet, you could just like Google it real quick and see. But I'm sure that there was some people who didn't realize that it was a cover of a song. And maybe it should have been realized when he said that uh, he was a checkout girl or something like that. (laughs) He he didn't change the lyrics. Right? Yes. That's true. It'd be like, huh, that's okay. (laughs) That's That's weird to do, huh? Number two. All right, Brooke, we were talking about the weather. Uh, I love going over to the uh, St. Louis Golf Expo at the St. Charles Convention Center this weekend, 101 ESPN. Proud to be a sponsor. We've sponsored the main stage, but uh, that is another thing that makes me feel like, okay, spring is almost here. And they did a great job at the Golf Expo. All the manufacturers were up and down the aisle. You you had uh, all kinds of different uh, venues that were sponsoring the Golf Expo uh, or that that were there. Mississippi Golf, Arkansas Golf, the Ozone. Parks, golf trail, all that stuff, and then all kinds of uh, 
instruction. It was really cool. I, I like to be in there, and a lot of people in St. Louis loved heading over to the Golf Expo over the weekend. Great job by our friends over at the St. Louis Golf Expo. Did you purchase anything? Only a, some golf balls. That's it. Ooh, anything interesting that you saw there? Oh, yeah, just uh, long drive champions, and they, they had a long drive contest and a long putting contest. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. And if I didn't have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of caps already, I would have bought several <laughs> caps. But I already have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of caps, and I don't have a sp- enough space for them right now as it is. So. But you were slightly tempted. I was slightly tempted. You are correct, yeah. Well, my number two thing for this weekend is the fact that U.S. the U.S. will co-host the World Cup with Canada and Mexico in 2026. I think it's just going to be so exciting. You're going to have the World Cup final, as we mentioned, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to say New Jersey, that it's happening there. Yeah. New Jersey. And I just think it's really exciting. This is the second time that the U.S. will host it since 1994. Mm-hmm. So it's just really exciting to have that happen here. It's going to be great. And I, well, we all find the World Cup to be the best soccer, just like we find Olympic hockey to be the best hockey because you have a concentration of the best players in the world. And I, I like watching World Cup soccer even after this, after the United States gets eliminated, unless they aren't in it at all. So I think it's the best soccer that we see, and I'm looking forward to having it here stateside. And I think there's a lot of people who worry about if the U.S. will watch it as much or it'll be as accepted as much as it is in other countries. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. when you go on the other side, that it's that's way more popular. But I saw that in 1994 that that was actually one of the most well-received and most watched mm-hmm. out of all of them. Yeah, it's going to be FIFA World Cup. awesome to, to have it here. Matthew? So the, the breakdown of the schedule, Kansas City get, is getting four group stage matches, uh, a th- round of 32 match, and a quarterfinal. Any chance you make the drive four hours across the other side of the state for a World Cup game very considering good it's chance. the first one yeah. in 30 years? Yeah, very good chance of that happening. That's pretty good. For Only a four-hour yeah. drive for you know, potentially a quarterfinal match? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's pretty crazy. Our Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe is a huge sports fan and had a lot to do with Missouri getting the the games to Arrowhead. So congratulations to the state of Missouri, the great state of Missouri. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun in a couple of years when we have that World Cup action here. Number one. All right, Brooke, as you know, I have a tremendous ego. And so <laughs> when I say things, I, I always feel like I'm right. But I love to have my feelings validated, especially about sports. And on Saturday, I had a chance to do a speaking engagement over at, uh, have you ever been to the McPherson on McPherson in the Central West End? It's a converted church and it's a great venue now. They do weddings and receptions and stuff there. Well, the Bob Bragg chapter of the Society for American Baseball Research, Sabre, had their annual event over there on Saturday. And I spoke to them and then I uh, oversaw a roundtable with world champion Brian Bowringer. He was with the Yankees in 96, 97, 98, 96, 98. They won the World Series and Bo was in their bullpen. And our friend Jason Simon Tachi has pitched in a lot of playoffs for the Cardinals and did a lot of winning with the Cardinals. And I am running, basically just letting these guys say their piece. And everything that they said about where baseball and the Cardinals are right now is something that I've said on our show. And I feel really validated that these guys who are 
winning baseball people mm-hmm. feel the same way I do. So I'm I know there's people that disagree with me. There's there's people that have that are in the Cardinal front office that disagree with me, but I'm glad to have these champions agree with me. So what did they say? I'm just curious if you can give us a little insight well, to what they said. Let's start with this. Cuz I know what you yeah. say, but what did they specifically it, agree with you on? You you've got a couple of pitchers that talked to and Simo was a longtime coach too. And there were a couple of Cardinal pitchers. I'll I'll name them. Carlos Martinez and Jordan Hicks, mm-hmm. who I always thought just tried to throw as hard as they could and didn't really have a lot of command. And I wondered about maybe dialing it back if you're Jordan Hicks from 103 to 99 and trying to establish a little bit of command and be a little bit more efficient. So if you're a starter, you don't go two and two thirds by throwing 88 pitches in two and two thirds innings. So... I asked about that concept, and they said, absolutely, that's something that is logical, that if you don't try to max effort and do work on command, that, yeah, you are going to be able to be a better pitcher rather than just a thrower. And the individualism of the sport, it's kind of become like tennis now. You played tennis, and you took a lot of individual lessons, right, to Mm -hmm. improve the way you hit the tennis ball and where you hit the tennis ball. That's what baseball has become with hitting. And when the Cardinals sent Jordan Walker down last year, they didn't say, we just want him, we, we want him to hit better. We, we want him to improve his batting average. We want him to be a better player. They said, no, we just want him to, to improve his launch angle. Another example, a couple of years ago, and I know this bothered you because I think we might have even talked about it at the time before we were working together. When Jake Woodford was pitching really well and mm-hmm. the Cardinals sent him out and they said yeah we we don't like the look of his slider we want him to work on his slider so what your slider or a pitch looks like is more important than production and those guys agreed with me that production t- should take precedent ultimately Baseball now has became become a, a game of process rather than results because of front offices. They agree with me that results should matter. I remember that conversation with you because mm-hmm. it was just really perplexing. And then, you know, too, as a pitcher, and I'm sure that they spoke about this as well, once that stuff starts to get in your head, that is not a good thing because mm-hmm. it can just go sideways. It can go the other way for you, for you that wonder, player. You wonder how much a guy like Woodford, how if they would have just let him produce mm-hmm. and keep doing what he was doing, you wonder if it might have been a little bit better. And you've heard a lot of players speak about this, mm-hmm. not just within the Cardinals organization. I will say that there's a lot of other pitchers, players across the league who have mentioned that where it was too much of a focus on very specific things that didn't have anything to do with their production yeah. or what necessarily they were doing when they went out there. It was more of like, well, we want to see, you know, your velo like this. We want to see the launching. We want to see this, that, that very kind of nuanced, specific things, which could help them. But if you are looking for something, maybe lay out a full game plan of we want you to do this because it, we think it will help you in this way. And But the big thing is we want to play winning baseball. This exactly. will help us be better. So it was great to see those guys, Brian Bowringer and, and Simo, but also great to just kind of feel validated that I was I, I'm thinking along the right lines. There you go. Well, my number one is very, not as exciting, but still exciting, Randy. I finally got to experience Palmanos. Yeah. A St. Louis staple. I am so excited. It was great. Thank you so much to Danny Mac for helping me get in there because it's it's hard to get in there, Randy. And I was fully prepared. I had the lobster ravioli. I had the lamb chops. It was absolutely delicious. They were fantastic. And so uh, I'm, I'm a big foodie. And that was yummy. So 
as a as somebody who really does support local restaurants, you you almost never go to a chain restaurant. You you almost always go to St. Louis uh, owned and operated restaurants. This is top ten percent. I would say yes, a hundred percent. Good. Yeah, I love Palmano's. hundred percent to the ten percent. Oh, oh, that's pretty oh. impressive. <laughs> it was it was delicious. It was a great experience. I got to take one of my friends with me, and we had a blast. So I Good enjoyed deal. it. Espresso martinis. That's, also. Okay, go for it, huh? Yes. Over there. Okay, good. And Paul Mano's a great guy, listens to the show, so uh, thanks to Paul and his staff for taking care of Brooke over the weekend. That is three things we love from the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Next up, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell used to do his annual press conference on Friday. Now, it's a Monday press conference, and there's even more than that. Should, should it really even matter? That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The National Football League during Super Bowl week historically has featured a press conference helmed by Commissioner Roger Goodell, and before that, Paul Tagliabue, and before that, Pete Rozelle. And it always took place on Friday and was open to all the accredited Super Bowl media. Well, times, they are a-changing. Now, let's give you a little background (laughs) here for Super Bowl week. Usually on Monday, there's virtually no media there. Media Mm -hmm. really doesn't show up at Super Bowl week until Wednesday, and then the mass of people gets there on Thursday and Friday. And the number of media members at the press conference used to be maybe a thousand, maybe 1,200. Well, now what the NFL has done is they have moved Roger Goodell's press conference back to today. It starts today when virtually no media is there, and It's by invitation only. So, for example, if I were an accredited media member and were headed to Vegas today, there is no way in the blanking world that the NFL would invite me to the commissioner's press conference. It just would not happen. And there's there's people out there. uh, Rachel Nichols is one who Mm -hmm. over the years has asked tough questions of the commissioner. She would not be provided uh, an invitation. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, who provided this this story, has been pretty tough on the league. Jim Trotter. I was going to say Jim Trotter. (laughs) He's suing the league. He would not be invited today. When I first thought of this, I thought, thought, how shallow and how thin-skinned of the league? What do you think? I think that's 100% my reaction, too, is that basically, if there's an elephant in the room, you have two choices. Either you address it or you ignore it. But when you're Roger Goodell in the NFL, I guess you have a third one, which is just remove it. Remove Mm -hmm. that option of having those tough questions come in. I want to know... 
who is a part of this invite-only press conference? Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Adam Schefter? Yep, he'll be there. Who else do you think will be there? Oh, it'll be all the NFL uh, network people. Ian Rappaport, who's bought and paid for by the NFL. Uh, so basically everybody who gets those very big leaks NFL-wise. Yeah, right. Or people that are just sympathetic to the, the Shield. Uh, you, you, they're basically the pe- people that are quote-unquote on the payroll that would never dare to be critical of the league. Randy, is he trying to dodge maybe something that just came out recently? I don't know if you saw these reports about those newly unsealed court documents where he's talking about the concussions and how he doesn't see a correlation between concussions in the NFL and brain damage. Is that is that what he's dodging? Because that just came out. What was that? that last week? Last week. That could be. And I... I can't imagine that somebody that's invited to the press conference would ask such a rude question. Now, the when I thought about it, I thought, you know, why would this bother me? Because I already know who he is, mm-hmm. and I've reported this, uh, and uh, th- this is part of the discovery in the St. Louis versus the NFL lawsuit, okay? St. Louis has a record of a 2013, October 2013 phone call with Kroenke, Roger Goodell, John Mara, owner of the Giants, and Art Rooney, owner of the Steelers. In the phone call, Kroenke said, and this is their own attorney's notes, an mm-hmm. attorney is on the phone call too. Kroenke says, I'm going to buy two parcels of land and build a stadium in L.A. Says Kroenke, we're trying very hard to stay under the radar screen and keep it hidden. Goodell responds, we will respect your confidentiality. That is October of 2013, Okay. Super Bowl week, the Thursday before the Super Bowl in 2014, same season, word leaks Kevin Demoff gives to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and to the L.A. Times that Stan Kroenke has purchased land that SoFi Stadium sits on in L.A. right now. So this is, you've had October, November, December, January. Three months later, this is from the Roger Goodell Super Bowl press conference. The Kroenke organization uh, confirmed today that it indeed purchased 60 acres of land adjacent to Hollywood Park. And I wonder uh, to what extent did Stan Kroenke inform the league, if at all, about buying this land and what he plans to do with it? And, um, well, I'll I'll let you go with that. I just have a quick follow-up on that. Okay. Well, as you know, our policy is they do have to keep us informed uh, of any developments or uh, anything that's going on in the Los Angeles market by policy. Uh, Stan is a very large developer uh, on a global basis. Uh, He has land uh, throughout the country and throughout the world. Uh, He has kept us informed of it. We're aware of it. There are no plans, uh, to my knowledge, of a stadium development. Uh, anything that would in- require any kind of stadium development requires uh, multiple votes of the membership. My follow-up would just be, what would you say to the millions of St. Louis Rams fans out there who see this as a, a fairly aggressive step toward Los Angeles and the Los Angeles market? Well, Sam, exactly what I just said to you. Uh, Stan is a very successful developer. Uh, he has... Uh, billions of dollars of projects that are going on uh, around the country uh, of real estate development. And so I, I think instead of overreacting, we should make sure we do what's necessary to continue to support the team locally, which the fans have done in St. Louis, and make sure we can do whatever we can to make sure that team uh, is successful in the St. Louis market. Now, this is water under the bridge, but it's an out-and-out blatant lie by the commissioner of the NFL. So I wonder, 
why do I even care, right? When I see it's the press conference has been moved back and it's invitation only, if he's going to lie anyway, why do I care, right? Because I know he's a liar. That is sickening. Knowing about how everything that was going on behind the scenes and, you know, moving here, understanding what truly, truly went on, because the NFL also does a great job of really squashing this national media wise. Mm -hmm. And that's why I asked which certain reporters will be there, because there are certain reporters that purposely will not report on big things that are happening that are really bad and make the NFL look really bad, because that way they know it won't be out there in the national Mm -hmm. media, won't be as big of a story. But fully diving into it, the way that they were really working behind the scenes and with what Roger Goodell with what he said that's why he is their commissioner Randy that's why is because he's okay with lying yeah he he makes them tons and tons and tons of money but he's obviously a blatant liar so with that being the case and with the fact that he claims recently that he's not sure that head trauma and concussions lead to CTE come on what what uh, rock is he living under he's he essentially knows. yeah he's a liar because they've already yeah. thus far paid out over one billion dollars randy that's why to former yeah. players who mm-hmm. have experienced cte and they're able to actually put it back to their time in the nfl and there's a big reason why he wa- does not want to talk about that also in those documents that i talk about those court documents that were just unveiled he had to say this about the issues with concussions and the NFL, he expressed that he compared the risk associated with playing contact sports to walking down the street. And he expressed great frustration with the media's coverage of head injuries, saying they misstate, they misrepresent things. And when they do that, they add to a narrative that I think is unfair and unfounded. He said that in court documents. Unbelievable. Do you think... (laughs) Do you really think it's fair to say walking down the street is the same as like, I don't know, playing NFL football. No, it's not. I think that there's a bigger, I think there's a clear risk difference there. Yeah, there's a reason that NFL players are shooting themselves in the chest and uh, having their brains donated to the concussion settlement, right? People that are are walking down the street aren't ordinarily doing that. Yeah, so it's, uh, the, the league is just... It's slimy. The business side of the league is slimy. Fortunately for them, they have an incredible product. The The sports side of it is great, but the business side of it is just awful. Well, and if you're an NFL owner, you know how protected you are. Remember yeah, everything yeah. that happened with Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell when he was questioned about that. He says, I don't have the authority to remove him. And as an NFL owner, they would have to all come together. There had to be a majority vote of fellow owners. And he does have the ability, though, to recommend a vote, but he doesn't have anything else to do other than that. So they have so much power and he's just kind of there to somewhat be their voice. But that's why I do think that he should still have a press conference where he addresses everything. Because even if he lies, he knows that. Everybody knows that. So why not just go ahead and go out there and control whatever narrative you want to control? That's the thing. He's really elusive anyway. He is good at that. When he is asked difficult questions, he's he's very elusive. So he's good at that. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And so, yeah, we'll have the press conference today and we won't air any of it tomorrow for you here on 101 ESPN because... 
it's probably a lie. Uh, coming up next, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Tioli next for you on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Take it or leave it. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in if you want to participate in Tioli. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Brooke, Matthew, Randy, and Brooke over the weekend. Don't know if you saw the quotes from Rick Pitino, but we have talked a lot about how ridiculous the current enforcement of name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal is by the NCAA. And on the heels of the states of Tennessee and Virginia filing lawsuits against the NCAA, St. John's coach Rick Pitino, several-time national champion, said, quote, The enforcement staff of the NCAA needs to go away. We need to stop all the hypocrisy of NIL. We need to stop it because they can't stop it. Whether I'm for it or against it doesn't matter. These are professional athletes. Get professionally paid. It's not going away. You can't try to get loopholes because they take you to court. That's why I say, so I'm not knocking the enforcement staff. They're going to get taken to court every time they try to make a rule. So it's a tough time in college basketball right now. And for us, you can't really build programs and a culture because everybody leaves. Take it or leave it. The last sentence is the most important. It's impossible to build a program in college basketball anymore. Impossible to build one. Yeah, because you can't keep players for four years like Tom is yeah. Owen Patino and Travis Ford, where you have a group of juniors and seniors that know how to play within your system. I think that I might actually have to take that. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially in college basketball. The transfer portal, I know that it's it's a lot in football as well, in college football. But the fact that you have such limited spaces on a team, I think that you notice it even more so, where it can completely change the culture of that team and, that, and everything that they're building right there. So I'm going to have to take it for that one and because it's just... It is, I think, affecting a lot of different things. I don't know what you can do to change the transfer portal. And when he's talking about NCAA 2, something has to give there. Because Mm -hmm. at this point, that's just the NCAA trying to stay relevant. Well, if you make college athletes employees, sign them to three-year contracts. Sign them that, that, okay, you you sign at St. Louis University. And for your college career, you're playing at St. Louis University. You're an employee of the university. That's the way to do it. And then does that mean that there will be a certain salary and you can't go over that? You could have a salary cap. It could be no different than the National Hockey League, where you, you, you're Robert Thomas, you sign an eight-year contract, you're in there for eight years. Now, obviously, the contracts here are going to be three years because a really good college basketball player is going to be around for three years. And maybe you do it so it's guaranteed, so you get your money and your education. But that that's the only way to solve the problem, is to make athletes employees so that they're under contract and they can't go away of their own free will. But... Will it ever truly go away is my question. So say that that does happen and the NCAA basically goes by the wayside and you start to make players employees, then you're going to have to create a player's union so they Mm -hmm. can advocate. And then the union's constantly going to be battling with 
whatever entity they will be battling against if the NCAA is still around in some form or fashion. So this just feels like it's a never-ending story. That's fine. Yeah, it's uh, yes, players would have to have a union. And that's if we're going to have a salary cap, we have to have a salary floor. There mm-hmm. have to be rules in place. Hey, you know what? They need benefits. So, yeah, there's got to be that. But the money in college sports is the, the money for college football is as big as the money is in in baseball, almost as big as it is in the NBA. So they've got the money. And look at all the money the NCAA has stowed away over the years mm-hmm. w- with their TV contracts. So there's money there for them to do it. And then who will get the salary? Will it be all college student athletes? Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the only way to do it. Wow. That would definitely change everything yeah. with it. I mean, we're basically getting to that point, but yeah. I can just see how this will continue to be a battle no matter what result that you're trying to get out of this. Well, there are still people in the NCAA, which, by the way, the NCAA is made up of the schools, the presidents of the schools. And there are still people there that are worried about the idea of athletes becoming employees. But if you want to get rid of the transfer portal and NIL, the only way you can do it is to have the players under contract to specific universities. I can see that. So take it or leave it. This weekend, we had a little switcheroo from Cliff Kingsbury, excuse me, Cliff Kingsbury, where he was going to go to the Raiders, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's going to the Commanders. But lost all this is what's happening to Eric Bieniemy. So take it or leave it. He should go to the Steelers as their passing game coordinator. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I I can't believe that Eric Bieniemy, as accomplished as he is as a coach, and with the accolades that he's been provided by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I, I can't figure out why teams don't want him. And he made the commander's yeah. offense better this year with essentially the same group of players. Sam Howell was their quarterback. I, I wonder what it is about him that teams don't want to hire him. It's really weird to me. Do you feel like he got a fair shot with the commanders? Enough time? Well, no, but they changed head coaches, so I, I kind of get that. Yeah. I don't know if Ron Rivera wanted him, but the new ownership, I believe he was hired before the Josh Harris group took over. So, I, I don't know. And, and maybe he doesn't think much. Did you see the Ben Johnson quotes mm-hmm. about them that he thinks they're basketball people? But I, I would hope that Eric Bieniemy would get an opportunity somewhere where there's a level of legitimacy to the job that he has, not trying to prop up Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. All right, your texts, Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. The best team in the XFL plays the worst team in the NFL. And the XFL wins, they get relegated. If the XFL wins, they get promoted. And the NFL team gets relegated. In a perfect world, I, I'd take it all day. I, I would take it, too. The problem would be that the XFL team would probably lose by 40. Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. the worst team, the Panthers. They had to face the best team in the XFL, this U- the, XFL-USFL merger, Yeah. versus the Panthers. Uh, yeah, the XFL team would get drilled. Panthers I minus twenty one and a half. That you don't think it'd be higher? I, I think it might. It might be four touchdowns. Damn. Right. I mean, yeah. these are Probably. guys. These, these are the players that got cut by the NFL. It'd be a great story. For also, then, yeah. on the realistic side, Randy, what do you think an expansion fee would be right now for an NFL team? Oh, I would say four billion. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? <laughs> yeah, which is just, ladies and gentlemen. It's never going to happen in American sports. But it would be fun. It, it would be fun. I would watch it. There's not I a would watch single it 100%. American sport that will ever have promotion relegation. No, no, Just no. accept it now and, and move past it. It'll make your life a brighter place. Yeah. People uh, would always talk about when Alabama under Saban was at their <laughs> peak yes. and the Browns were at their worst. People would say, well, Alabama could beat the Browns. Well, the Browns have 
53 players that are drafted by the NFL. The Alabama Crimson Tide might have 25 on their roster that are going to dra- get drafted by the NFL. It's no comparison. And don't, don't forget, when he was at Alabama... Richardson looked explosive. Mm-hmm. And then Good he got point. to the NFL and you saw what he actually yeah. was compared to everyone else. Yeah. That's that's the game, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, take, it or, take it or leave it. The UFL is screwing up a chance to open the season with the Battle Hawks at home. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it. I'm going to take it to you. And we, we can, we can dis- discuss this at the Rush Hour Reset, but the schedule did come out. And sadly, they are going to be starting on the road. But then they will be back here April 6th. Uh, to face the Renegades. Yeah, so we'll, the Arlington Renegades. We'll, we got to come up with a... Uh, we, we desperately need a rival. Because the hated Vipers are gone now. There it is. Uh, take it or leave it. There is no way you can see it right now where football doesn't separate from the rest of the sports in the NCAA. Ooh, to- totally take it. I'm going to take it's, that. It's, yeah, got, it's, it's, it's already done. It's a fait accompli at this but, point. It's yeah. happening at some point. The, the If you aren't aware of it right now, the Power Four runs the college football playoff. The NCAA mm-hmm. has nothing to do and gets no money from the college football playoff. So that separation has already occurred, but it will g- become more pronounced. And whether or not football wants to support the other sports, I don't know. But that'll be a really interesting uh, watershed moment in college athletics. I also just find it hard to believe because you're talking about that and how much money that they make. I don't see how revenue sharing in general is going to work out. Could be hard to do. Is a program like Texas A&M, a program like Tennessee, going to want to share with BYU? Probably not. Right? It's, it's not, it's gonna not gonna happen. gonna happen. No, it's, and it's gonna be tough. Yeah. There's, there's just, there's so many obstacles. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. Dome is full on opening weekend. Oh, take it. Take yeah. it. Sixty-six thousand. I'm gonna take it. Yep. Kaka. The Battle Dome, is the which law. is just March thirtieth. I'll be my, there. That was my favorite thing about. Too. The second season was them officially taking the Battle Dome nickname and running with it. That's yeah. when your franchise takes something that the fans come up with. That's a good thing. It's, it's that, okay. that's always a good thing in my opinion. Okay, let me give you one more. If you have one on the text line, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to. I, I need ten seconds here. You need ten seconds right now? Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, hold on, I can give it to you right now. Okay. Uh, okay, guys, take it or leave it. When the Cardinals play the Dodgers on March 30th, the Battlehawks will get higher TV ratings in St. Louis. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa. Mm. Ah, I'm, I'm going to have, really? I'm taking football. Higher TV ratings. In St. Louis. Yeah, I'm taking it. Hmm. You don't think that people want to tune in and watch the opening weekend? Oh, I think, they, I think they will. But I, last year there was a, and, and I don't know what City does on March 30th either, but when City went head-to-head against the Cardinals, they beat them in the TV ratings. Is City playing on the 30th? Now, that'll probably be an Apple contest. On March 30th? Yes. Uh, yes, they actually, I believe uh, that is an away game at Real Salt Lake. Okay, so uh, head-to-head, uh, and you've got, uh, let me double-check, the Battlehawks is a day game. Uh, yeah, they're a 3 o'clock start. The Cardinals are 8-10, and then City's probably playing at the same time. But I'm going to say that on that date, when all three teams play, that the Battlehawks have the best TV ratings in town. I'll take it, just for the fun of it. Because Kaka is the law of Randy. Yep. And, and you have to follow that. And by the way, Saturday, March 30th, I'm Big Fox, too, on the Two Fox here in town. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, Mookie Betts is kind of a furred with the Dodgers season. (laughs) 
We'll uh, tell you why and then say, uh, we'll tell you why he might not need to be. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. you define success in 2024 for this team i mean we just go out and we uh we play our play our game I mean, obviously we're trying to win a world series you know it's world series or nothing you know we're all trying to do the same thing and so but we can't add extra pressure to do it you know it, it, i think adding extra pressure only does more harm than good i think we just got to play the same game we're going to play you know it's going to be tough i mean every every game is going to be the other team's world series i mean it is what it is it's what we signed up for you know and yeah. so we have to embrace that and then we got to go with and, and be who we on paper are. That was Mookie Betts at Dodger Fest this weekend. And Brandy, did you hear that? What he just said there? Yeah. He we're, said, We're other teams' World Series? Other teams' World Series. Randy, it is just five days into February. Mm-hmm. Did he just give the rest of Major League Baseball bulletin board material for the rest of the season? Yes. And because of what the Dodgers have spent and because of the talent that they have with Mookie Betts and with Otani and with uh, uh, Yoshi and uh, some of the other players that they have brought in, Freddie Freeman, uh, they have a lot of talent there. And mainly because of their outrageous payroll, they are going to be thought of by many teams and especially teams that don't have substantial payrolls. They're going to be thought of as that team's World Series. If the Pirates beat the Dodgers two out of three, that will be the Pirates World Championship, (laughs) right? That's just the way they are. If uh, the Royals, if they win one game against the Dodgers, they'll be happy. That'll be the World Series for the Angels. There will be a lot of teams that that will be their World Series. There are other teams that have a legitimate chance to go to and win the World Series that aren't worried about the Dodgers. The, The Rangers are not going to look at the Dodgers as their World Series. The Rangers are going to look at the World Series as their World Series. Well, and we've talked about just how fluky the playoffs are in general. Mm-hmm. The Diamondbacks, I don't think any pe- anybody was expecting them to be in that position, especially with their payroll, with the amount of wins that they had during the regular season. The Dodgers, over the years, they've had this. They've had a lot of big star players there, and they do really well during mm-hmm. the regular season. And then what happens after that, Randy? They tend to fall apart. And since 1988, aside from the 60-game COVID season, they have not won a world championship. And there is absolutely, believe it or not, randomness to the postseason. And for me, the Dodgers and Yankees are exhibits A and B. The fact that the Dodgers haven't won a full season world championship since 1988, the fact that the Yankees haven't even been in a World Series since 2009, shows me that there is a level of randomness to the postseason that cannot be controlled. And they spent over a billion dollars combined on bringing in Yoshinobu Yamamoto Mm -hmm. and Shohei Otani. With Shohei Otani, you hope that everything will be fine with him with his injury going to the season, Mm -hmm. but is he necessarily wrong in what he's saying? No. In terms of Mookie Betts, no, because teams are looking at the billion dollars and saying that's the team that we want to beat. I really question that team. Now, they have Walker Buehler coming back, and Walker Buehler is going to have to work his way back into being a great major league pitcher again. I have no doubt that he will. Tyler Glass now, his career high is 120 innings. Yamamoto has thrown 
on five days rest for his entire career. He's worked with a six-man rotation in Japan. So I, I wonder, and maybe they're going to go with a six-man rotation there. They just signed another pitcher last week, didn't they? They signed another starting pitcher. But I just wonder if the Dodgers, even with all the money they're spending, are going to be able to be as successful as the payroll would lead you to believe they can be. We haven't seen that recently, right? We haven't seen an example of that where you could say, oh, you spent a lot of money and it worked out for you. Now, the Rangers did spend a lot of money over the off-seasons prior to when they won the Mm -hmm. World Series. So I guess you could argue that it could work out in that way. But we saw it fall apart for the Mets. We saw it fall apart for whatever happened with the Padres. That was crazy. Where this could possibly, not saying that this will be the case, but don't you remember going into last season, Fernando Tatis Jr.? What did he say? He said that the Padres are going to win it all. Yep. Yeah, and what happened there? There's <laughs> only happened? one team that wins it all at the end. <laughs> By the way, James Paxton, the, the left-hander, was the other starter that the Dodgers signed. And James Paxton has not exactly been the iron horse in a starting rotation for the last six or seven years of his career. So for me, there, there is no guarantee that the Dodgers are going to win this thing. Are they going to win 100 games? Yes. But once we get to October and the chips are down... I have to question whether or not they can do it because they haven't done it over a 162-game season. Well, and you mentioned, yeah, in 2020, you put an asterisk next to totally. that, don't you? Yeah, because th- think about it this way. In 2015, maybe it was 2016, at the All-Star break after 90 games, the Giants had the best record in baseball. After the All-Star break, they had the worst record in baseball. That's why we have this adage that baseball is a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Because the Dodgers were able to win the sprint, but there's a lot that goes into winning things over 162 games and then winning in the playoffs. And I just don't think that uh, until they prove it to me that the Dodgers are an absolute lock to win it all. Doesn't it feel like, though, when he's talking about the pressure, and I think that he is right, that every single team, when they come to town or when they're going to L.A., Mm-hmm. They're going to look at this. This is huge because you have so many superstars on that team. Doesn't it feel like if they don't win the World Series this year or even the next season, whatever they're trying to accomplish, that it would fall short of expectations? Oh, because yeah. you have Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. and then when Shohei's ready to be fully back on the mound, then you'll have him available. You have Yamamoto, the star Japanese pitcher that everybody is so excited to see. You have all these different pieces in place that it feels like anything short of winning a World Series will be way below expectations after spending over a billion dollars yeah. on a combined <laughs> offseason. But it's been that way since 2012. It has. And, and they've been disappointed a lot. Yeah, I, I really... I love what they do, and I love uh, if there's a team that does analytics and technology best, it's the Dodgers. But for whatever reason, at the end of the season, it doesn't seem to work for them. I want to get your reaction to this text. From the 3 and 4, that Dodger blue is starting to look a lot like Cowboys blue. Now, of course, in the NFL, there's a salary floor and salary cap, but I kind of get what they're saying, Randy. I do, too. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to have the flash and have the have the style and the Dodgers have the flash and they have the style but at the end of the day don't you want substance isn't it like who would whose last 14 years would you rather have the Dodgers or the Giants oh without that, a question yeah the, the Do- yes it, it, it's not like the the Giants only won one World Series. They won three. Now, exactly. they've had some really rugged years. They have, right? yes. But I, I think if you're but a Dodger overall, fan. Yeah. body of work, yep. yes, 100%. It, it, no doubt. And if you're a Dodger fan and you, with all that money spent, you'd like to have at least one legitimate world championship.
I guess we'll see. He yep. gave them all bulletin board material. Well, that's Randy. I'm Brooke. Coming up, we're going to head to the celebrity line to talk to Curbs about the NHL, NHL All-Star Weekend. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. Randy Carricker and Chris Kerber joins us now. Curbs, during that break, I got a spam call on my phone <laughs> and uh, I answered it and uh, I said, is this spam? And uh, the guy never stopped talking, so I hung up on him and blocked the call. Do you ever get spam calls on your phone? Dude, it drives me nuts. Get them all the time. Get them all the time. And then sometimes it is fun to mess with. If, if they do, if you do get them and they actually do reply to you, every now and then if you answer one and, and, you, and you just start messing with them and start asking them weird questions, you know, like what? What you called me? I thought you just wanted to talk. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I like to do is if the caller ID says "spam likely," I always like to answer by saying, "Hey, spam, what's up?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the one that gets you. The one that gets you the the amount of spam email. Oh man! Holy oh, moly! Yes. Like I, I got five hundred you know, emails like, like over the weekend. I got five hundred emails to my work account. Like, like I'd, I'd like the government to do me a favor. Forget about the border and just fix spam email. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> build, build a wall against spam email. <laughs> yeah, I'm for this. I'll vote it. for that. <laughs> you know, you know, or, or how about this? I was thinking about this one over the weekend with the amount of spam email that was coming in. How about this? Make the law so that we have to opt in. Like, if we actually care about privacy, Right. This one's actually might not be a joke. This one's actually if we actually care about privacy. How about with apps and email? You have to opt in for companies to be able to get your data, not opt out. I like that idea a lot. I think that's a great idea. Ooh, I do like, like that. Like a lot. If you really care about privacy, that's the way it should be. You should be able to opt in rather than you have to read through everything to opt out. Curbs for president. I'll vote for you, Curbs, especially if that's what your stance is on. <laughs> you you got my vote because I get so many spam emails. Well, Curbs, I want to ask you about this past weekend, NHL All-Star Weekend. Of course, Robert Thomas, the Blues representative there. What did you think of the weekend and Robert Thomas? Well, I, th- I think he had a good time. I think it was a good showing for him. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that next year they're not doing an All-Star game and they're doing the Four Nations tournament. Uh, and I'm also glad that over the weekend they announced that uh, – you know, that, that the, the NHL players will be going back to the Olympics for 26 and for 30. So I, I think that that's, that's good stuff. But the, the challenge for me, if I'm, you know, just being bluntly honest with it, is the, when you bring the players that you bring to the All-Star game, which is in so many ways the best of the best, and I do, yes, I understand that some players are left off it, right? Uh, the, you, you don't really, in the All-Star game part of it, you don't really get to see the true skill and speed of these guys and what the game is about. And and you have to accept that. I mean, it, it, it is an exhibition, right? And that's why I think the skills competition to, to me is, is more interesting than the game itself. It, j- just because the game itself doesn't, and, and it's not the three on three. People would say the three on three isn't hockey. No, three on three could be hockey. I mean, a four on three could be hockey. Three on three could be hockey, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, and and I don't mind it with with you know we see three on three in overtime, which is isn't a bad thing. I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's just 
you don't you, you've got to defend in the game a little bit and stuff. So I I don't know that it's a great representation of just how skilled these guys are. And by the way, by the way, if you're a gambler, okay, <laughs> if you didn't pick if you didn't pick Austin Matthews to to be the MVP of the All Star game a week before the All Star game, you missed out on a huge opportunity. Yeah, right, no doubt. Uh, Curbs, the Blues coming up will, uh, after Winnipeg, they'll play Buffalo, and uh, later on they'll get the Canadians too. Uh, we're, we're obviously spoiled hockey fans. We've, we've had a lot of success to watch here in St. Louis. Buffalo, Montreal, Winnipeg coming up on the road. Why do you think it is that franchises like Buffalo, and especially Montreal, just can't get it right? That's it, man. It, I, I think this is one of the fascinating... I think this is one of the fascinating topics in sports, Randy. And you could... You can see you can throw in the Kansas City Royals, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. You know you you could throw in you can throw in NFL franchises in there. You know Detroit for the longest of time. Our right? Cardinals until this year. The Cardinals agree one. You know and and yeah, every now and then and hell for that matter, let's just throw in the Cubs. Yep. You know you know because I mean yeah, they got their one and then they went right back to being the Cubs. So you know to, to me, I, it comes down to a couple things. Number one, a team like Buffalo. Right, now they had a young general manager and a good guy, uh, 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 and Kevin Adams. Right, mm-hmm. but but I don't know that they they put the budget in place for him to surround himself with even more people. Look at how many quality people that Doug Armstrong has surrounded himself with. I mean, even guys like Tim Taylor has been with the team twelve or thirteen years. Dave Taylor, Peter Shirelli, right? I mean, you you got to surround yourself with more. It, it takes a lot to do that. That's that's number one. But number two. The, the consistent thing that you can see, and I'll go with the Edmonton Oilers prior to uh, their, their current run that they're on. We'll go the Montreal Canadiens, the Buffalo Sabres, and these other franchises like this. They haven't surrounded the young draft picks with veteran players. Mm-hmm. And you can't win. David Perron said, so David Perron has spent that little bit of time in Edmonton, right? And then when he came back to St. Louis, we were talking to him before the Blues played the Edmonton Oilers. And, and this is something to, to keep in mind. He goes, you know, he goes, the problem that the one of the problems the Edmonton Oilers have is when you're so top heavy with Drysaddle and McDavid. And he didn't mean top heavy in terms of money being spent, right? Which just handcuffed a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. He talked about just the amount of ice time. He goes, when you're constantly going to those guys, nobody else on the team is getting ice time in certain times of learning how to play in certain situations. So all these other young players, like. You're not going out with two minutes on the power play. You're going out with 30 seconds. You're not going out there in the final couple minutes of a game. And he goes, and it really slowed the development down of some of those other players in Edmonton. So there are factors like that that keep these teams down. And then finally, and let's look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. right, who the Blues just, just played and unfortunately lost to. 23 years in the league, they've made the playoffs six times, been past the first round once. And if you go back and you look at their drafting since day one in the league, since day one, you can make a case that they've only drafted four impactful players in the first round in 23 years. Wow. And by impactful players, I originally, when I went down that rabbit hole, I looked at it, Randy, and I said, hey, I go, let's say, let's say 200 games. And I had to mump it up to like 300 games for the franchise. So even though they originally drafted like a, a Jacob Boracek, uh, they, they, they traded him before he was an impactful player. So you're looking, you're looking at Rostislav Klesla. You're looking at their first overall pick in Rick Nash in their second year, right? And then the other two were Wenberg and uh, oh, the other one that's now playing for Seattle. So 
drafting is a key part of this. I, I love the topic, as you can tell. Drafting well, is a key in how you develop it. I, I think it's it, it's amazing how franchises can't get it right for decades. And let's spend 30 seconds here going back to the staff, because when Yarmo left here, we all thought, thought okay, Yarmo's going to do a great job, and they're going to be built up like the, the Blues were here, because Yarmo drafted so many impactful guys. But it goes back to the staff, right, and the scouts and the, the other people, the ancillary people that you need to have a program rather than just a, a guy drafting players. Yarmo's ability to read the draft and do it was excellent. The Blues eventually won a Stanley Cup because of what Yarmo did. Mm-hmm. And, and, yes, it was even drafting the players that weren't here any longer, like Oshie and Backus and those guys. Now, the difference is, though, with him running his own show, he's been in Columbus now for 10 years, all right? And the players that they have drafted recently in the last couple of years are going to change that narrative that I just mentioned. You know, eventually when the Sillinger comes along for Adam Fantilli, who was out, you know, injured prior to playing the, against the Blues in the last game. So they, they do have some good players coming. But the difference is, is then when you're running your own show, they made some moves, right? Well, we're going to try and speed some things up. So they went out and they got Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. And then Artemi Panarin didn't want to stay. They made that, that you know, and then they, they, they've had other players. that You make the move. You know, you draft, you draft a Pierre-Luc Dubois. It doesn't quite work. You trade him for Patrick Liney. Liney's a good player but hasn't been consistent for him. You know, Johnny Gaudreau has not been good as a free agent signing for them just yet. There are things like that where it's been hard. And then, of course, the uh, the, the the fiasco with the head coaching situation at the beginning of this year yeah. was catastrophic for them. So um, they haven't helped themselves with other decisions, but it's taken a while for, uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's going to be another couple of years before you see Armo's drafting impact with the Columbus Blue Jackets. But you're right. It, it is more than that. It, it, it takes – it takes that kind of boy. It takes longevity and loyalty, and 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 and, and some real shrewdness uh, to to do this. But you've seen the L.A. Kings become prominent again, although they have faltered of late and fired a coach. You you so the go look at what the Boston Bruins did after make it, winning the Cup in eleven, going back to the final in thirteen, right? Made the playoffs in fourteen, and then missed the playoffs for two years. And look at the two drafts they did, and then they came back to prominence because of the core. I, I think. I think what the Boston Bruins did is something that is similar to what the St. Louis Blues are trying to accomplish. Curbs, the trade deadline is coming up in March, and I know that these next couple of weeks will really dictate what Doug Armstrong decides to do. But I just keep seeing over and over again, of course, a lot of these blogs and just kind of the rumor mills, they just put names out there, players that they would like to see moved, go to certain teams, different things like that. But I keep seeing Colton Pareko's name around. Now, I know he has a no trade clause, so that would have to be something in play. But do you see any reason or scenario where the Blues would trade Colton Pareko? No, what I'd recommend is those are the blogs we stop reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, I, I don't. I, I cannot imagine. Okay, and I, I'm going to go back to what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. If you are serious as an organization about making this turnaround, this retooling, a quick one. And look, you've got 33 games to go and you're sitting in a playoff spot. When the Blues play on Friday against Buffalo, Buffalo will have played one game. Buffalo plays tomorrow, right? But the Blues will still be in the playoff spot because L.A., St. Louis, Nashville, Seattle, none of those teams play until Friday. You've got 33 games to go, and then you've got 14 games prior to the trade deadline. The moment you trade a six foot six defenseman that can skate, that can dominate, that can defend, that can play every single minute at even strength against the other team's top lines and do it well, and you're seeing it again this year, 
That's the moment you're looking for that. And you know the one, listen, the one thing the Blues do not have, especially now that you're seeing Kessel up here playing, they don't have, uh, to go three amigos here, they don't have a plethora of defensemen, right, that, that are, you know, waiting to knock on the door and come in. And it takes a while to develop defensemen. Mm-hmm. It, take, it takes six, seven, eight, nine years for defensemen to really be the dominant force. Yeah, you've got your outliers in there, okay? And don't forget Pareko was still dominant and won a Stanley Cup in year four, right? So, no, I, I, there are a couple guys in my book that if you are serious about making this turnaround a fairly quick one that are untouchable, he's one of them. Jordan Bennington's another one of them. I can't imagine what that package would have to look like, you know, to, to, to make a deal for him along those kind of lines. And you look, you, there's 14 games to go before the trade deadline. Doug Armstrong is in a difficult spot in terms of, I think he knows where his team is at right now. You look at the moves that the other teams have made, like Vancouver getting Lynn home. You've got Monaghan going to Winnipeg. Teams are loading up on the top end. What does that mean? That's going to keep Doug, and we know he can be very realistic in his approach. But at the same time, there's still value in young players playing meaningful games in late March and April. There's value in playoffs for the young games. So there's some UFAs the Blues have that I would expect them to take calls on and potentially move no matter what because I don't know that they're part of the the future of this organization. But having said that, there's still a lot of important hockey to play here. And that, that, that big number 55 to me, if you're asking me right now, no, he isn't going anywhere. I 100% agree with you. I think that he's part of your core that is untouchable. Curbs, always yeah. great to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Are you enjoying this uh, little respite from doing games? I guess it's not a, an overall respite because we, you told us last week you were going to be busy, but are, uh, what yeah. about the trips? Has the travel been good and has the respite from doing games been fun? No, it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, saw Greasy spent a couple days down in Louisville. Um, you know, learned a little bit more about some bourbons on during some downtime while she good, was in good. classes. So that is that is good. That's a fun hobby, and uh, and you know the stuff I do with Randall's is important there too. So, and then uh, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow, Randy. You know, college visits with your kids as you as you can attest to. They're yeah, they're educational, they're learning. But it, man, when you get to see your kids' minds expand and the eyes open, and sometimes those college visits are just fantastic. Just individual time with the kids so we're going to go check out umkc uh, tomorrow actually and wednesday with gabby and um, i'm looking very forward to that it's been a great break have fun curbs thanks so much we'll talk to you later all right guys have a great week you too that's chris kerber the voice of the blues here on 101 espn i thoroughly enjoyed the trip to uh cal santa barbara Oh. To, to visit that. That was good. How, we, how much did you enjoy that one, Brady? We, well, we did Cal Santa Barbara, UCLA, and San Diego State on one trip. It was fun. It was, uh, and there, there was no way Katie was going to go there, as it turns out, because it wound up being too far away from home. But uh, it was it was a fun trip to visit those schools. It's like a mini vacation. Kind of. Yeah, that's kind what of. I, Yeah. And then Patrick uh, visited Arizona State twice. So, but he wow. wound up being a second choice. They're picking like some warmer areas, weren't yeah. they? Oh, I, babe, I have plans, man. I, I, I have plans for Patrick. <laughs> you were like, and I'll go visit you and golf a it, little bit. That was going to happen. You don't have to worry about me that much. Yeah, that was going to happen, but it didn't. Uh, I'm assuming, Matthew, that we need a fighter, huh? Indeed, that's how the game works. Okay, well, what you need to do then is text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, with your name and the word fight, and perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! 
Drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carriker. Danny Mack will be back with us tomorrow. But it is time for the fight, and our fighter today is John. John, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Brooke? I'm doing great. Is this your first time facing Randy in the fight? Yeah, I've, I just started trying to uh, get through, I guess, about a month ago, beginning I, of the year. Yeah, I see on the text chain right now, John, fight, John, fight, John, fight. And finally, today is the day, John. Yeah, I've been trying for about a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready for question number one and take on Randy? Yeah, let's go. Question number one. Happy birthday to St. Louis native native Lawrence Maroney. Before being drafted by the Patriots in the first round, where did he play his college ball at? Was it Penn State, Pittsburgh, or Minnesota? Minnesota. I have no, I have no idea. Half of the Steelers' six Super Bowl MVPs were won by wide receivers. Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes, and who else? Was it Lynn Swan, Antoine randall or John Stallworth? I think it was Lynn Swan. Question number three. During the Cardinals' 2006 season, which starting pitcher was cut after making 13 starts in the first half of the season? Was it Sidney Ponson, Kip Wells, or Todd Wellermeyer. Skip Wells, I don't remember that either. All right, and most well-known for his Packers run, Vince Lombardi took over control of which team for one year in 1969? Was that the Baltimore Colts, the Washington Redskins, or the New York Giants? I remember that. That was the Redskins. <laughs> All right, we will double-check our score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. All right. How are you feeling, John? It seems like you were a little nervous about some of them, but how are you feeling after that? 50-50. 50-50? I think the only advantage I have, I'm older than Randy, so I remember a lot of stuff from the 60s. Oh, okay. So you've been around. You know how Randy has that cut where he says, I've been around, you know. You've also well, been, been around. I've been around longer than him. <laughs> Here he comes in with his grapes right now. No drink today, Randy. I just put it in the recycle. Oh, okay. He just polished off the Mountain Dew. There you go. Mountain Dew today. So that that well, means you need some caffeine. That, that was because of the alarm beeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah. it kept you up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Randy, say hi to John. John saying that he's been around longer than you. Oh, he's been around, you know. Hi, John. Good morning. How you doing? <laughs> I'm well. How are you, Randy? Yeah, I'm 71 years old, so I remember the 64 World Series. Oh, there you go. Oh, there awesome. You go. Good. Thank you very much I was for listening. 12 years old then. That's so cool. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right. You're Question welcome. number one, yes. Randy. Happy birthday to St. Louis native Lawrence Maroney. Before being drafted by the Patriots in the first round, where did he play his college ball at? He was a Minnesota Golden Gopher. Played in Normandy, I believe. I'm not mistaken, and then uh, wound up going to University of Minnesota. Very proud of Golden Gopher. And then he, his teammate, Marion Barber, wound up with the Dallas Cowboys. Tell you what, it was a couple tough years where you had to bring down a guy with dreads who ran hard when you oh, had to play man, Minnesota. 39, yeah. uh, half, Randy, half of the Steelers' six Super Bowl MVPs have been won by wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Heinz Ward, mm-hmm. Santonio Holmes, and who else? And uh, a lot of our favorite player uh, growing up, or players, were members of the Pittsburgh Steelers because they won the four Super Bowls in six years. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, that was number 88, Lynn Swan, against the Cowboys, uh, was a Super Bowl MVP as a wide receiver. Question number three. During the Cardinals' 2006 season, which starting pitcher was cut after making 13 starts in the first half of the season? So he would have been cut after they... uh, 
would have been cut after they uh, got Jeff Weaver. Made 13 starts. I, Brooke, will use the uh, lifeline here. Okay. Cindy Ponson, Kip Wells, or Todd Wellemeyer? Uh, I think I'm going to go with... I think Kip Wells came for 2007. Boy, he was horrific. Uh, but I think he came at the same time as Adam Kennedy in 07. Uh, and I don't think Wellmeyer got cut by the Cardinals at midseason, so I'm going to go with Sidney Ponson with that one. Sidney Ponson. All right, Randy, and most well-known for his Packers run, Vince Lombardi took over control of which team for one year in 1969? <laughs> he took over the Washington Redskins, Matthew. <laughs> that was the last good move they made for about 40 years. No, I got Joe Gibbs. I got Joe Gibbs for a while there, too. And uh, let's see. They, uh, George Allen was good for them. He oh, took yeah, them to a Allen, Super Bowl. Yeah, was, yeah. really good for them. There but, you go. Uh, I, people don't realize Vince Lombardi. Lombardi time is an important thing. you got to be five minutes early. But uh, Vince Lombardi would have won with them. And it, was, was he just, 52 or 57 when 57. he died? 57. I, I was about to ask, like, how, how different is football? If Vince Lombardi lives to be like 85 instead oh, of dying that young. Yeah, it would have been dramatically different because that might have changed the Steelers' dynasty. Oh, yeah, right. right. It, because he knew what he was doing and still at that time had the respect of players. They would have wanted to come and play for him. Mm-hmm. And the, the over-the-hill gang probably never would have happened, although it would have been just as bad for the football Cardinals being in the NFC East. But, yeah, if he lives to... 70. Mm-hmm. If, and Lombardi can coach to 67. Yeah, different league. Completely different league. Well, we have a winner in today's fight to start off the week. Does Megamind come away with a win or does experience come out on top today? And do we get a win for John in the fight? It was a close one. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. Fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit CarShield.com today. Uh-oh. Something wrong with my machine here. Oh, Uh-oh. here. Let me fix it. I can fix it right now. Here we go. <laughs> There, there, we go. there we go. I was missing the air horns. John, you heard Mr. Buck, but unfor- and that means that Randy hit the jack. Unfortunately, he beat you 4-3. to three. You did so well today. I missed the third question, right? Yes, that's, yeah. the, that's the one that got okay. you. Absolutely I did, right. I, I could not remember that. Yeah. And that's more recent. That's, that's <laughs> Sorry about that, John. Let's go to those questions and answers. Happy birthday to SEL native Lawrence Maroney again from Normandy before losing or before being drafted, excuse me, by the Patriots in the first time. Where did he play his college ball? And one of the few Patriots windows. He was on the Patriots for four years and they did not win a Super Bowl in that time. That wow, bums me out. It's one of the small window there. Half of the Steelers' six Super Bowl MVPs were won by wide receivers. Heinz Ward, San Antonio Holmes, and Lynn Swan. Randy, do you know the other three Super Bowl MVPs off the top of your head? I would say Big Ben, Bradshaw, and Franco? Two for Bradshaw, one for Franco. Oh, okay. Because the two Big Ben ones are Heinz Ward and Antonio Holmes. Oh, got it. Okay. Uh, during the two- Cardinals 2006 season, was in fact Sidney Ponson, who had jumped out to a 5.46 ERA through his first 13 starts for the Cardinals. They got him out there. They got Weaver in there, and then on to win a World yeah. Series that year. And most well-known for his Packers one, Vince Lombardi takes over in 1969 for the Redskins, and then unfortunately, from because of cancer, dies just a year later. So a 4-3 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. John, thank you so much again for joining the show today. 
Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, John. You, John. We you really, did great. Yep, and thank you very much for listening and being such a loyal participant in the show. It's John on 101 ESPN. Coming up, uh, we played a little bit of Ali Marmol's interview with Xavier Scruggs last week, but Ali had some really interesting insights as he spoke to our, our buddy Xavier Scruggs. We're going to hear some of that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's a big deal. Sonny Gray's a competitor. Yeah. Um, he's, he's wired in a way where he just wants to kill. And I love that. You look at Lance Lynn, similar personality. Mm-hmm. He is big on accountability. He's going to hold people to a certain standard. He has his way of doing it that works. And then give you everything I hear about this guy. I mean, he's a great clubhouse guy who's going to be super encouraging. He's going to bring guys alongside. But the, the biggest thing about the three of those specifically, and we brought in some guys for you, Trey Robertson, you go down that list. But yeah. the, the big thing about those three in the starting rotation is they want to be great, but they have a passion for pre- bringing others alongside with them. That's the Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmal, talking to Xavier Scruggs on his YouTube cast last week. And he is fired up about the three starting pitchers. And last year, those guys gave innings, although they did also allow a few hits. But here we are. We're close. <laughs> the team's equipment trucks are going to depart Bush Stadium today for Jupiter. And then spring training will start next week. And... Ali should be excited about this spring training because they got him what he felt like he needed during the offseason. In addition to those three pitchers, it's a rebuilt bullpen with some flexibility. And the Cardinals have, at least their perception is, they have more leadership with a guy like Matt Carpenter uh, back on the on the team. So Ali is excited, and hopefully the Cardinals will be able to get back to what they expect to be, which is a playoff team. I'm excited to see what Sonny Ray looks like and the storylines that it's, will emerge. Like 5'10", from... 10, 1, 190. Randy, I'm not talking about his height. Okay. Why do you always bring up his height? Not everybody is tall. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. He does other really good things. Chris Carpenter's 6'6". Six, six. And that, that would, that's nice. Yeah. That is very, very nice. I would like to have that, of course. But at the same time, I am excited to see Sonny Gray and how he really fits into everything. And when he brought up the killer instinct, that's something that you keep hearing people say about Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had John Denton on, and he was talking about when he visited him in Nashville, Tennessee, where Sonny Gray trains, that he was the leader of that group. So... Who is going to be the leader of this pitching staff, of the starting rotation for this team? Is it going to be Sonny Gray or is it going to be Miles Michaelis? I think that's a storyline you'll see emerge during spring training. Or is it going to be Lance Lynn? Or, oh, no, nah, that's, that's a fair point. Or the president, the new president of Big League Impact, Kyle Gibson. You have a lot of leadership down there, and hopefully, hopefully the Cardinals will be able to restore what they had back in the day. And... I know that the starters got together and watched everybody's bullpens, but now you've got people that can give legitimate advice, people that have been around the block. Kyle Gibson pitched for a team that won 102 games last year, pitched for a World Series team the year before. Sonny Gray, second in the Cy Young voting. Lance Lynn, we know he's a grizzled veteran. Michaelis has pitched in playoffs and pitched in big games for the Cardinals. So not only will you have people that are observant, that know what they're doing, but hopefully Mm -hmm. they can lend each other some knowledge that maybe the Cardinals didn't have last year, especially when Adam Wainwright wasn't around. Well, with Adam Wainwright, too, I remember him specifically talking about how even though he's clearly a leader, Mm -hmm. how sometimes it is hard when you aren't even performing well to then lead others because you also have to manage fixing what you have going on internally. So I'd be interested to see who will kind of emerge as the leader for this group. If you're Matthew Libertor, who is he going to for advice? Uh, 
he's who's the number one guy at Memphis? Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> okay, another young. If you are a young, Zach scratch it. Zach young Thompson. pitcher. Zach, <laughs> Zach Thompson, you, you, you go to any of those guys, right? Yes, yes. Okay, young pitcher. Who are you going to, yeah. but who are you going to first is my question. Uh, that's, uh, I, I, you know what? I would probably, it depends on the guy, because remember, Adam wanted to find a guy that was kind of like him, Adam 6'7", Chris 6'6". So if you're Zach Thompson, you're probably looking at a, a Gray, you know, with, with what he's done, and Gray has already taken a leadership role with this team, so I would think that would be part of it. I saw a recent interview with Jack Flaherty where he was talking about how Adam Wainwright specifically went, and we know this, mm-hmm. that he would specifically go to the young pitchers, or any pitcher yeah. in general, and would kind of pick up and point out things to them that they would need to work on and fix. So I'm wondering, who is that person going to be for this team moving forward? Yeah, I don't know. That that will, you're right, define itself in spring training. Meanwhile, one of the things that has popped up in baseball is that player managers are given essentially a script by the front office, and the, it, it's this is how the game should go. And Xavier Scruggs asked Ali Marmol about the game being run by a script. You map out, if things go well, here's how I want to use my pen, here's how I want to use my bench. Right. And you also do worst case scenario. If things mm. don't work out, here's how we want to use our pen and here's how we want to use our bench guys. Mm. And, and you go through all those individual matchups. But once the game starts, you're not, you want to play the game. You, yeah. want, you want to feel the game. You want to see the game. And, and I already um, I have the majority of that memorized. Right. Um, I, I do have stuff on me that reinforces just certain notes that mm-hmm. I want to make sure I don't miss right. on. But from, hey, this head-to-head matchup has a projected 640 OPS against this guy <laughs> and a 710 against it, like, that stuff you already kind of have prepped for right. in how you want to navigate and execute yeah. a game plan. Huh. Um, but there is a ton of information out there, man. And, and can some of it paralyze Yes, are managers under more scrutiny because of how much information is out there and your ability to prove decisions being good over time or not? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So it'd be dumb not to understand it in a way to inform future decision making. So do I understand it? Yes. Does it run the game? That's probably not the best way to even like think of the question. That's a good thing to hear because there are going to be situations for example, Brooke, where a sinker baller is having a good game, but his sinker really isn't what's working that day. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're a sinker slider guy. And the reason that you're getting guys out today is because your slider is on and you haven't been able to do anything with your sinker. It just isn't sinking. So that changes the approach that you take when selecting a pinch hitter, right? Uh, Or if... If you have a hitter uh, and the opposing pitcher, I guess I should have put it that way. If if he's a sinker slider guy and the, the sinker just isn't there today, and he's just getting every if it's he's getting everybody out with sliders, maybe it changes the way you think about, regardless of what the numbers are, who you're going to hit for a guy. Conversely, maybe you have a pitcher that's throwing really well, but you have a hitter against that relief pitcher or that starter that historically has done really well. But you say, man, my pitcher's thrown so well. This is a day that he's going to be able to get that hitter out. You do have to sometimes go away from the numbers and trust your eyes as to what's happening on a given day. And a lot of that has to do with the trust and the buy-in from your players. Because the players also, once that trust is fully established, then they know they can come to you with, okay, I know that this is going on for the betterment of the team. This is the situations that you need to put me in or not put 
put me in. So it all goes back to that buy-in and establishing that very early on in the season, especially, I don't know, I always think about the Ryan Helsley thumb incident. Mm-hmm. I, right. That was so perplexing to me. And that was more, not on Ali Marmol, but on Ryan Helsley maybe not evaluating his thumb injury like he should have. Right. And just go back in that game. And that's kind of a, it's the game that people was, remember about Ali Marmol. Yes. When you go back to taking out Quintana. Yes. When he took out Quintana. There, there was so much in that game that unfortunately has kind of defined two years of Ali Mar- Marmol's managing. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for him, and we only remember the losses. We don't remember the good moves. And the, but uh, we, we do remember that. And you're right. The, the, that is something that the, the eye test early on should have been a part of that. Because my, I remember hearing an interview with Mike Maddox where he said, I didn't even see what was happening that he was blowing up because I was on the phone with the bullpen. So, mm-hmm. the, but it, by then the horse was out of the barn and it was just too late. And Philadelphia won the game and Cardinals lost the series. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the rush hour reset, and then coming up at nine fifteen, Joe Buck here on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Joe Buck coming up in about 10 minutes here on 101 ESPN. A couple of notes today, though, for our Rush Hour Reset. Steve Belichick, the son of Bill, is going to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Washington under Jed Fish, whom he coached with, with the Patriots back in 2020. Uh, Steve Belichick sounds just like his dad. He looks like him. I wonder if he's going to recruit. You think? I don't know. When he talks to a player, what's that going to be like? When he talks to a 16-year-old, he's not the most, he's not Eli Drinkwitz type dynamic. Let's just put it that way. When I think of Steve Belichick, I just think about all of the memes and videos that have come out of him on the sidelines and the interesting faces that he makes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Make some weird faces, Randy. Yeah. Do you think he does that when he's talking to people, too? (laughs) Probably. Yeah, probably does. The Washington Washington Commanders have... uh, Officially now announced their coordinators, former Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury is going to be their offensive coordinator, and Joe Whit, who worked under their new head coach, uh, Dan Quinn in Washington, is going to be the commander's defensive coordinator. Uh, golf note for you, Wyndham Clark... Uh, has now been named the official winner of this week's, this year's Pebble Beach Pro-Am. The fourth round canceled because of bad weather in California. The wind helped Wyndham Clark? Is that what you're saying? The wind helped Wyndham. Yes. Ooh, Randy, you're bearing the lead here because we also got two big news news things that just came out, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have the Battle Hawks with their schedule announced. Mm -hmm. How exciting is that? So they will kick off their season March 30th on the road against the Michigan Panthers. Luckily, Harbaugh's not there anymore. Yeah, really. (laughs) And then their home opener will be April 6th against the Arlington Renegades. The hated Renegades. I wonder if Bob Stoops is still their coach. I think he might be. Uh, And they're always a tough out. So uh, Coach Becht and the the Battlehawks are going to have their hands full. We don't know if our buddy A.J. McCarron is going to come back. 
bummer that Ricky Prohl's not going to be back as a receiver yeah. coach. I do. I'm excited that Anthony Becht is going to be back. I think that he's great for just really campaigning for things here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I think he's been a great head coach. I wish the Prohl was back, like you mentioned. And I thought that A.J. McCarron said that he was going to make a decision within the next couple of days. So we're already past that next couple of days point. So hopefully we'll hear something soon yeah. about that. And then the other big news, Randy, this is just coming in via the email. Ooh. Mizzou Athletics secures $62 million gift commitment. <laughs> 62, breaking news, $62 million gift commitment. That is the largest in Mizzou Athletics history. That's unbelievable. So what does that tell you, Randy? Uh, I wonder if somebody died and left the money to Mizzou. But that's pretty cool. Literally all of it? $62 So what's it going to be used for? Is it going to be used for NIL? Is this a raise for Brady Cook? Um, So it says the donor who wishes to remain anonymous. (laughs) Raise for Brady Cook. I'm sorry. That was funny. Uh, The donor who wishes, which he could, but I'm saying the $62 million off for him would be a lot. The donor who wishes to remain anonymous has designated $50 million for the Memorial Stadium Improvements project to modernize Mizzou football's home stadium that includes the redevelopment of the North Concourse, other stadium upgrades. The remaining $12 million will go towards Mizzou Tigers Fund. That's Mizzou's Tiger Fund. Amazing. So uh, good for Mizzou and they are they're hanging with the rest of the SEC. It says so congratulations. The donor. I want to know who this person I wonder, is. I, 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 I don't want to know I don't, this person. Don't you, right? Yeah. <laughs> wonder, like who is this? I wonder how Mizzou's hoping this NCAA versus Tennessee and West Virginia lawsuit falls or Virginia lawsuit yeah. falls because yeah. ain't nothing like paying players directly with that kind of money. I tell you that right now. So not wow. in 2023, but in 2022, I was at Mizzou's training camp and I was told from somebody very close to the program, and I never was able to get this verified, that Kroenke was back in. How would you, okay, how would you feel? Would it change? I have to ask it, Rob. If I found out? Okay. Would it change your perception of Stan Kroenke just a little bit if you found out he was helping out Mizzou Athletics and if he was the $62 million donor? Is he going to move the franchise? I would hope not. (laughs) Then, you know, he can sit in California and watch, watch us win. That's fine. 62 million. Pretty hard to move a university. It is. That'd be weird. I, Having Mizzou in so LA, that'd have, be weird. I have no idea. I'm just, there's not many people throwing around 62 million bucks. And he, by the way, that would be really out of character for him because Mora, Missouri, they they asked him for $60,000 to help fix, and that's where he's from. That's his hometown. Yes. They asked for $60,000 to help fix the roof on their library when it got torn off by a tornado and he turned them down. So that would be very out of character for him to actually provide to charity or to uh, an endeavor that doesn't benefit him personally. Well, and you mentioned earlier that with the World Cup coming in, mm-hmm. that they have to make $100 million in upgrades yeah. to SoFi? Yeah. So yeah, that wouldn't it, that that would not fit. It, Bill La- Bill and Nancy Laurie would be much more likely to be the donors than than him. All right, there is your rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN coming up. The Super Bowl is coming up. Joe Buck had a chance to do both teams this year. The voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke 
Ramsey, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. One of my great friends for more than three decades is the voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN, Joe Buck. It's always great to have him on the show. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm six one, by the way. Where does that? <laughs> Uh, you are. Oh, man, if I were like a number three starter. Uh, there, there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, hey, uh, we let's start there. I remember, man, you and I had a conversation. It, it, it was, uh, I don't even know if you remember this, but I know you remember doing the 05 World Series when the White Sox had all those power arms. And that's what baseball is now, is a bunch of those guys. But they were all big, strong, strapping guys. To me, that makes a difference. To, when you have a guy that's 6-6, you know that he can throw nine innings. And not that pitchers do it anymore. More, but I'd just like a big strapping starting horse starting pitcher. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that, but I, it's it's hard. I mean, then then I present to you one Pedro Martinez. Yeah, I mean Greg Maddox. Uh, you know there, and again, I mean Maddox was not a power guy, but he was he could he could muscle up every once in a while and had the ball that jumped and you know he would not be considered a big guy. But I, I know what you're saying. I mean, you have the typical look of the big horse, the big ace, the number one starter is kind of a bigger bodied guy. They just look like they can handle more stress. But but there are many, many exceptions to that. There are. But in general, the guys that you saw for all of those Octobers in the World Series, the number one guy was 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 220. You know, the, the Justin Verlanders of the world, the Scherzers of the world, the Carpenters of the world. They're, they're Andy just, Pettit. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Those guys. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Okay. But again, Pedro is 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 very small. Oh, yeah, and was awesome. Uh, my other question is, Joe, you have also done a lot of Super Bowls. Do you have any desire to be at a Super Bowl that you aren't broadcasting? Well, I went to the one in L.A., uh, which I know will make uh, you smile uh-huh. because it, it, I, I paid money into the the uh, the <laughs> the trench that is uh, this growing fund out in Los Angeles uh, with Mr. E. Stanley Cronkey. But, uh, I, yeah, I went. My daughters wanted to go. It was L.A. Actually, our Super Bowl uh, will be in L.A., which I hope you'll forgive me for doing the game uh, at SoFi uh, in a few years. No, I, not, I, not I, really. I, I, I'll be your – well, you've already got a spotter, but I might be standing in the back of the booth to get you grapes or something. <laughs> okay. All right, good. It's a hell of a stadium. You have to see it. Have you seen it? <laughs> I have not been in there, no. Okay. Um, no, it's great. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I do not have any desire uh, to be there. It's it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of congestion. It's just not – I'm not that way. I'm not looking for – the Maxim party and, and like going out all night. And it's just not my, it's not my thing. And then you combine that with Vegas. I don't know. There's going to be some story. There's going to be something that happens because it's Vegas Mm -hmm. and it won't stay in Vegas. It's going to be a big (laughs) something that happens. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I just think some, it's just, that is going to be a, a, a mess in my mind. Joe, I think that if we ever see Randy in SoFi, I think that somebody might have kidnapped him. I, I agree. I think there's I no agree. way. I, if I found out he was you there. in there, Randy. I'm going to drag you in there someday. <laughs> and we're going to walk the concourse and we're going to look at it and you're going to go, oh, 
Okay. Could it, could it please be for a Charger game? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there let's do go. that. Let's, let's, let's baby steps. <laughs> Just little baby steps. Well, Joe, I do want to ask you about the Chiefs and 49ers. Are you surprised that these are the two teams left standing? Um, Not the 49ers, uh, and I probably shouldn't be that it is the Chiefs. I, I think I get a little bit biased when I do a team – uh, like I did the Ravens. I did them on Christmas in Santa Clara, and they were phenomenal. Uh, I did them in the playoff game against Houston in the second half. They were unstoppable. And I thought, man, Kansas City's going to have their hands full going into Baltimore and taking on Lamar Jackson the way he played, the way that defense is playing. And it just didn't happen. I, I think we should all be smart enough to know that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, uh, these guys are hard to beat this time of the year. And with all the, the things that went wrong during the regular season, uh, they have it going now. Their defense is playing a lot better, uh, like they did at the start of the year. Their offensive line's playing better. Uh, so may, I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I was if you had asked me going into the Ravens game, I thought the Ravens would win at home, and and now I, I think Kansas City's the team to beat. Hey, Joe, as you know, one of the things that's happened in football, and it's in part due to the fact that it, it kind of is the case that the quarterback is so overarching that it's can Mahomes beat Purdy, can Mahomes beat uh, Lamar Jackson. But to me, Patrick Mahomes is maybe the one guy that does beat an entire other team. He he elevates everybody around him. He he just changes the dynamic of a football game, doesn't he? I, yeah, I agree. That that's well said because you know we we all fall into that trap. You look at the quarterback matchup, and it's really not. It's not Brady against Mahomes. It's not. It's Brady against the defense. It's Mahomes against the defense. But I think Patrick Mahomes does kind of pull everybody along with him. I think that includes the coaching staff uh, and, and any offensive coordinator and any play call. He just makes things better. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a guy that when you get to know him, the more you get to know him, the more you like him. The more you get around their PR staff and you hear stories about things that he does when nobody's watching, uh, the different days that he brightens by, by being just a good person. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it's a lot. If you're not a diehard Kansas City fan, you know, you've seen him in the postseason every year. You The the quarter ends in every commercial on TV is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and I get it. It's a lot. But I, I trust me when I say that both guys are terrific people, Travis and Patrick, and, and the head coach is, is just a, you know, a special man who uh, has been able to evolve over the years and had a lot of success in Philly and even more in Kansas City. Well, then you also have the big story of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Has that been good for the NFL? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's been great for the NFL. I, you know, I, I think we're all smart enough to know that this is a business. I mean, I know that some people get bent out of shape for whatever reason when they see her cheering in the luxury suite. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why that's so off-putting to people, but it is to some. Uh, I, I think most people don't really care, and I think it's cool that that uh, that she's there and and cheering on her boyfriend. You know, that's another person. I've, 
not to name drop or act like the big shot in the room, but I've been, I've met her a couple of times and I mainly because my daughters were diehard fans years ago. She sang the national anthem at a world series game. I did, I think it was in 08 in Philadelphia. And it's the only time I went down there to, to meet anybody singing the anthem. And, uh, she was a nice young girl then and, and has become a just from everything I hear, people that have been in those luxury suites, I, I share an agent with Travis Kelsey, could not be a nicer person to anybody that comes in her path. So, yeah, she's a mega, mega star. It's a lot, but, you know, I, from, from all accounts, they're two really good people. Hey, Joe, it's, the, the, the sport is so unpredictable, and these two teams are so good. Do you think there's one thing that sets one team apart from the other, other than, like the aforementioned Mahomes? Well, I'm I'm a Purdy fan too, by the way, mm-hmm. um, and and I I think you know we've we've kind of grown into this uh, into this lexicon of of something being negative if you say they're a game manager, uh, and then you throw on top of that Mister Irrelevant. I think it was the 262nd pick in the draft uh, before last year, and if he was the 261st, would anybody even bring any of that stuff up? It's it's just that he was. You know, he would. San Francisco had that pick. They took him. Uh, I remember from day one when we talked to Kyle early in the season last year, he said, I've never had more confidence in a backup quarterback than I have in Brock Purdy. And then Garoppolo gets hurt. He takes over, and the guy manages, the, manages that offense and distributes the ball the way Kyle Shanahan has always dreamed of it being distributed. So he loves him. Uh, I, we have a ton of respect for Kyle. I think it's the play calling of Kyle Shanahan, his, his ability to, to get matchups that, that favor his playmakers, and he's got a lot of them with McCaffrey, and, uh, and Debo is amazing and just a mismatch. And Ayuk is, is, has ascended to a number one receiver, and the tight end, Kittle's great. I mean, they got a lot, and a good offensive line, a Hall of Fame left tackle. Uh, there's a lot there. And so Kansas City's going to have their hands full. I, I would still lean toward KC, but I, I think it's Kyle Shanahan's ability to get matchups and, and Patrick Mahomes' ability to, to make chicken salad out of nothing. <laughs> That's a great story. Well, with I saw in a recent interview, Joe, that you had with Sports Illustrated where you talked about a possibility of you coming back to do some baseball, maybe with Chip Carey? Is that something that you would be interested in doing or have thought about more? Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I mentioned it. People say, well, do you miss calling baseball? And my answer has always been, and I know it makes some people mad in baseball that I say this from different people, that that I don't miss calling national games. What my, my answer is, I miss being the Cardinals guy. I miss being able to outwardly root for a team and to be happy when they hit a home run and be frustrated when they lose a lead. And it, it just adds another layer when you're broadcasting. So my answer was, do I miss calling the national games? No. Do I do What I do miss is how I started, which was doing games. Of course, my dad was there. But doing games, uh, carrying along with Cardinal fans, uh, you know, the perception is I don't like the Cardinals. I love the Cardinals. They're a part of my DNA. And, and getting back to that someday way in the future is something that's a possibility if it all matched up. Uh, but, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that that's somebody else's job, and, and I'm not the guy that's going, yeah, you know, if I want to come down and, you know, maybe do a game or two or five, or, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think like that. Like, I think it's insulting to, to Chip or somebody else. But if they needed me, somebody showed up and, or couldn't go because they were sick, you know, they could call me and I'd run down there and I would do the most slanted game because the only team I would know is is the Cardinals. So I, I would have no idea who they're playing or who's good on the other team. But for a day or, or two, to have Buck and Carey in the booth together would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, for everybody that's like 70 and, yeah. and older, I, I don't know that anybody's would freak out about that. But uh, it'd be fun for the two of us. I've known Chip. He was with us. And, and he and I have always been uh, have been friends because we've we've had kind of a a similar path uh, in some ways with the whole nepotism and all the other stuff that comes with a famous last name and a, a famous dad in mind. So we've always kind of had that connection. If if he say, if he signed off on it and said, "Hey, here's a game in August. If you're home." Uh, let's do it. Then I would do it. But it would, I think the ask would have to come from Chip. Yeah. Uh, then, then you know, rather than Billy or, or anybody else. Okay, Joe. I got three more things for you. One more broad, uh, broadcasting thing. There has been a, a lot of belief, and I think on your part, that Tom Brady would never become an analyst on Fox. As we sit here now, February fifth, twenty twenty four. Do you think Brady winds up doing games on Fox? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think the only thing I said at the time, and and I, I don't backtrack off that I, I said i uh, taking a year off and then him going through everything he was going through in his personal life going through divorce uh kind of putting the game behind him i was always skeptical that he'd want to get back in and and kind of do what is necessary uh to be good at being a game analyst and and i and i i think you know i, I still think until you do it and until you get in there and see what it takes and what it's like when the red light comes on and you're under time constraints and you've got to make a point real quick and you're, you know, doing a production meeting with, you know, whoever, the uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, and, and you're, you're gathering information and you're building toward a game. It's a lot. And, and, and I'm not saying my job is awesome and it's fun and, and whatever, but I'm, I'm conditioned. I know what I need to know. I know what I don't need to know. And I think the minute he starts, it's going to be intense scrutiny, and I'm anxious to see. I, every, every time I did say I was skeptical of it, I did end it with, and it, it is so true, I really hope he does it because I think it will be fascinating. And, and I want to see him put his mind to being a game analyst. I think it's great. Uh, so good for Fox and good for him that he wants to do it. I talked to Burkhart the other day. He's done two practice games with him. Uh, and, and so if he's doing practice games and he's kind of canvassing other people who've done it, he's, he wants to be great at it. And, and I think we're all smart enough to know that if Tom Brady wants to be great at something, he's, he's probably going to succeed. Yeah, pretty good chance of that happening. All right, to the Blues. Doug Armstrong, I know, will call you before the deadline. If Army says, <laughs> Joe, should I buy or should I sell? What are you, you going to tell him? Sell. Sell. We're all... I, I love Armstrong. Well, I mean, let's see where they are. But, I mean, is it realistic to think that if they buy and give away younger assets or draft picks that they're still going to have enough to win a cup? I mean, we won it a handful of years ago 
I say we like I was out on the ice, but <laughs> the Blues won it, uh, and and we all loved every second of it. We've had that taste. I think we're all adult enough to know that these things happen in cycles. And what I love about Doug is him being honest and saying, you know, we're not, whatever the quote was, paraphrasing, you know, we're not in that upper group of teams coming into the season. And so, you know, when you have a GM, which, and I love the man, when you have a GM that I think is, is, is real and, and is realistic with expectations uh, then I, I think you're looking at it through the right lens. And I, I just don't think a couple of deals here or there or one deal is going to be make them a Stanley Cup winning contender. So keep building, keep getting better, getting younger. Hopefully Snuggerud comes along and, and he's phenomenal. They have pieces, but they, they, have to, they, they have to get younger in my opinion. And then the last thing. Uh, but was it, is it 20 years ago that you basically spent a whole summer sharpening your golf game? Was, is it that long ago that you, you, you brought a, co- a coach with you pretty much everywhere you went, right? Yeah. It's just, that's so embarrassing to even admit. But no, yeah. but it, it was, I wish that I could have done that, but now you, you're probably going to get a chance over the course of this week to play a little golf. When you, if you don't swing for a month, when you get to the driving range, is your swing there in the same all the time? Or do you have to kind of work your way into getting your swing where you want it? Randy, I need a therapist uh, for, <laughs> for this kind of stuff. I, I, I obsess about it. Um, I hit so many balls like four days ago when the weather was nice that my left elbow just blew up. Uh, It's it's ridiculous how bad my elbow looks. It reminds me, A, that I'm getting old. B, that I felt like I was hitting the ball well on the range and I couldn't stop. Uh, But it's typically when I take a lot of time off, I come back and I keep it simple and I'm better. Um, But then I start tinkering and thinking and – writing down notes and my, my almost six-year-old boys are walking behind me like dad's working on his golf swing again because I'm <laughs> pantomiming something walking down the hallway. So it's, it's just nuts. I'm, I'm, it's, it's sad. It really is. I should be better than I am for the amount of time, energy, and angst I spend uh, just thinking about my swing. I am glad that you and I and Rob Manfred aren't the only three people that that mime a swing. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I do it all day long. And I, I, I think here's here's my one tip for the day. I think I've spent way too long worrying about where the club is in my backswing that I have I have just completely forgotten about actually hitting the ball toward the target. So I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting my backswing in 2024. I'm going from the ball forward, and I'm seeing. I'm going to see what that does for me. Joe, that's a great pre-swing routine too, right? Just towards the target, towards the target, towards yeah. the target, right? Just have it in your mind. And getting my lower body more involved and, and, and getting my arms out of it. I, I think, you know, if you look at my Instagram, and I've been off Instagram for like five months and it's been the greatest five months of my life. (laughs) I'm much more productive. But if you look at what is, you know, siphoned toward me with some kind of algorithm, it's every swing tip. (laughs) It's every junk item that is sold to people on the golf channel for the latest and greatest. It's just crap. You you and I both. it's, 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 it's absurd. So just go hit the ball and stop thinking. It's, it's ridiculous. 
Right. Well, you have play, uh, fun playing. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great time, and we always appreciate talking to you. Love you, man. All right. Love you guys. And, and I, you know, I listen a lot, a lot. So I'm, I'm going to send you my notes. Brooke and Randy. I just uh, got so nervous, Joe. I've got some, I've got some thoughts. All right, Joe, brother. can I just but say I real quick? Gonna, I am going to call Hoffman uh, when I when I. Um, there you go. Yeah, they'll take care of your furnace. Can I just yeah. say, Joe, the first time that Randy told me that you listened to the show, I immediately got so nervous. I was like, Joe, Joe Buck listens to the show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I was like, now every time I screw up, I'm like, okay, Joe Buck just heard that. Great. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, and I, I get it that Dan doesn't like any of the, uh, the little face off sound drops other than just win, baby. I got it. it. (laughs) I'll, I'll, uh, just for you, when next time I win, if I, if I win again, I will do all of them. If you win again, I, I don't even know you anymore. The, The stuff that you remember is, is just it makes me want to slide into an MRI tube and get everything checked because I was at some of these things and I don't remember them and and you <laughs> your memory is crazy. Well, Joe, as I tell you, it's the one gift I have. That's not true. You have more. You have more gifts than that. I appreciate that. You're a great friend. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you later. All right, see you. See you, Joe. Uh, the great Joe Buck with us on 101 ESPN. A Hall of Famer, Joe Buck, by the way, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, he won the Pete Rosell Award, as his father did, mm-hmm. and uh, should be a Ford Frick Award winner in the Baseball Hall of Fame, too. And we got several texts in that we're wanting to make sure that he knows that they're 28 years old, 30 years old. They would love to see him in the booth with Chip. Oh. Awesome. Great. Great to hear. So there you go. Uh, Coming up, we've got a little bit of Super Bowl talk before we head down the stretch of this edition of The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. When I was doing afternoons, I always enjoyed participating in Heat Up St. Louis. And this Friday morning, you can help Heat Up St. Louis during the 24th annual Hardee's Rise and Shine fundraiser. Stop by any participating Hardee's in the Bi-State area on Friday morning. You grab a sausage biscuit or an egg biscuit for just a buck. 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected will help Heat Up St. Louis, supporting people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. That's Friday morning at any participating Hardee's. Find more info at 101ESPN.com. And I'm not going to be able to do it this year because our participation is from 7 to 9 a.m. But I hope you listening will participate and go to Hardy's on Friday morning and get a sausage or egg biscuit for a buck. Mm. And then give them an extra 20 for Heat Up St. Louis, which helps people that can't afford heating for the winter pay their heating bills. I've had a Hardy's biscuit in a while. Oh, doctor. That sounds so good. good. <laughs> so we've got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. And one of the things that is kind of stepped up over the course of the last few weeks due to Cam Newton's podcast is the belief that Brock Purdy, the quarterback of the 49ers, is simply a game manager. Steve Spagnolo, former Rams head coach and defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, was asked about that label for Brock Purdy. Yeah, <clears throat> all they got to do is put the tape on, Adam, in my opinion. We had some crossover film during the course of the year, but when you dive into it and you watch them, <clears throat> you don't, this court, it's not a quarterback that's managing or all those tabs that they put on. This is, this, he's for real. Makes all the throws, really, really smart. 
And then what I what I didn't know because you know I don't watch I'm not seeing enough of it is how athletic he is. I mean, this is another quarterback that <clears throat> when you cover everything back there and he finds a lane and, and a pass rush lane can take off. He did it last week. He's done it in every playoff game, and gets positive yards. That puts a lot of strain on us defensively. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with. With, with all those weapons and with his mobility, for a guy like Spags to say that, pretty big statement. And Brock Purdy is going to be, as our old friend Steve Savard would say, a snootful <laughs> for Spags' defense on Sunday. I miss Steve Savard. That's just a side note. But other than that, he's doing great in Springfield, by the way. Mm-hmm. But with what he's saying, I 100% agree with him. And I also agree with what Joe just said a little bit ago, that there's nothing wrong necessarily with that game manager role, because isn't that a big part of what you're supposed to do as a quarterback? I thought it was interesting, too, this weekend that Joe Montana, he was on the Pat McAfee show and he brought up that, you know, he looked at it as, you know, you're the mailman. It's not about you. It's about you deliver it to the people so that they can get the rest of it done. There's nothing wrong with necessarily managing it because you're that's part of you being the quarterback is being a good manager of things. So I feel like sometimes there's such a negative connotation mm-hmm. to it when that's not necessarily a bad thing. But also, as we just heard Spag say, you have to see a lot more from Brock Purdy, and he progressively is showing you more and more. He uses arms and legs against the Lions. And there's a difference with a guy like Purdy and Mahomes. We talked about Mahomes being able to lift everybody, but he's a one in a million. Brock Purdy is a great, a great point guard. He's not yes. unlike Kurt Warner because Kurt walked in with Marshall and uh, Tory and Isaac and uh, Ricky Prohl and Azakimi and, and walked into that offense and Trent Williams, who is Orlando Pace, and he walked in and he got the ball into the hands of his playmakers. That's all Brock Purdy is asked to do. He doesn't need to elevate people because those people are, are already great. And in terms of being the point guard and getting the ball into the right place, his coach, Kyle Shanahan, says he's perfect in that regard. And there's nothing wrong with that. You no. need a good point guard because you have to have somebody who can protect the ball and get it to those right people. This would be a totally different story for the 49ers if he was a turnover machine this season. It would. Now, I will say this. Brock Purdy is towards the end of his second year. He's going to see things, especially with two weeks to get ready, from Spag's defense that he has not seen before. Yes. If ever there was a time where Brock Purdy had to be completely on his game. It's this weekend. I was thinking last night when I couldn't sleep because my alarm was going off. uh, I was thinking about the difference in this game. To me, the difference in this game is going to be can the offensive line of the Chiefs, especially, uh, and I'm assuming that Joe Tooney's not going to play, can those tackles, Donovan Smith and and the right tackle, uh, I forgot his name right now, but can they handle Chase Young, and Nick Bosa, because we saw what happened to Mahomes against yes. Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, right? And that offensive line is not unlike what they had against Tampa Bay. A little bit better because of Humphrey and Smith, but I'm really concerned about the Chiefs' ability to keep Patrick Mahomes upright and in the pocket and not on the ground against those defensive linemen of, of the 49ers. I think that might be the difference in the game. It could be. I mean, and we know that Patrick Mahomes is being is fine out of the pocket. And by the way, it's Taylor, Juwan Taylor. I'm sorry. Yes, there you go. But at the same time, too, I think it will come down to the defenses. I think it really mm-hmm. will on both sides. It's going to come down to the defenses, what they'll be able to do. You brought up Spag's defense. The way that they've been able to confuse quarterbacks this season, I think, is really a big testament to what he's been able to build over there. My guess is that San Francisco is going to come out trying to run the ball. 
Mm-hmm. The, the, they're going to try to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and hand it to McCaffrey. And maybe uh, 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 Elijah Moore gets a little bit – not Elijah Moore, the, uh, Elijah whatever the other running back's name. I'm, I'm not doing good with names. I'm, clearly, I was up Mitchell? late last night. Huh? Mitchell, Mitchell, Elijah yes. Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, if I were Shanahan, I'd be trying to run the ball against that defense to start things off and not have to even bother with Chris Jones rushing my passer. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have Christian McCaffrey, yeah. that, that helps Take things. Chance. Yeah. We're going to head down the stretch with a little rock and roll, little rock and roll, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair of single session passes to the 2024 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. It's the return of Arch Madness at the annual MVC Tournament, March 7th through 10th at Enterprise Center. All single session and sing. Uh, all session and a single session tickets are on sale now. Text in to the Air Comfort Service text line to score passes to Arch Madness at 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! And to learn more about the Valley Tournament and to register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com, you can also go to the 101 mobile app. All right, Matthew Rocky, I put you on the spot here. You got a question for us? Yes. Who walked away as tournament champions of Arch Madness last season? And I'll give you a little hint. It was not the regular season champion. We haven't actually had that uh, double up in the last uh, two years. Loyola is the last team to uh, double up both as conference champions and as tournament champs. So last year, not the conference championship. But the actual tournament championship, who walked away as the MVC champion? Okay, we'll take uh, texter number 23, the champion of the 23 Arch Madness 2023. Text in again, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. And texter number 23 that knows the answer to the winner of the tournament last year wins the, wins the tickets to this year's tournament. All right, rock and roll. What do we got, sir? Well, this is going to be a very quick one. Sorry, I was kind of taking over your rock and roll, but we were setting up for this for the sound. Mooney Ward had a very interesting reaction, I guess you could say, to about playing the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Here's what he had to say about it. Well, this Super Bowl in Vegas, so it might turn up a little bit the first day or two out there, but after that, really just lock in, you know what I'm saying, focus. The whole week is really like a movie. Like, you're going to see celebrities everywhere. Pre-game on the field, you might see Jay-Z, Beyonce, you know what I'm saying, Kevin Ward, people like that, but... I mean, it's still a game at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? We still got, like, still got to go out there and try to get the win, especially in the Super Bowl. You know you don't want to fuck up in the Super Bowl, so you got to go out there all weekend. You know, just be locked in, be on your stuff. So, turning up the first two days of the Super Bowl. Mm. So, that fits into Joe's prediction, right? That uh, something you will happen? You don't want happen? that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, what it, when Your reaction, hopefully maybe he didn't mean it in necessarily the way that well, he probably didn't mean it he that way, did didn't he? Mean it that way. It's Vegas, <laughs> after all. I was trying yeah. to think of a way to like make this work out where it wouldn't well, necessarily look bad on him. Brooke, but when you hear turn up, I don't know if you can exactly point to anything else. Every single TMZ employee is going to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl, are they not? Oh my God. It's, it's It worries a, me. Joe's line was perfect. It's not going to stay in Vegas. Something is going to happen in Vegas and it's not going to stay in Vegas. That's why I'm kind of surprised that they actually have it in Vegas. Is that did that surprise you a little bit? Um, a little bit, but just because you worry yeah. about some of the negativity yeah. that could come out of but it. They've 
they dove all in. The NFL did. But it used to be back in the day when Dick Vermeil, who's mm-hmm. going to join us tomorrow, by the way, had his Eagles in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. The Raiders didn't have a curfew and were just walking up and down uh, all of the French Quarter in New Orleans at all hours of the the night. And then they wound up winning the game, and they they just went crazy there. The the Bears did the same thing in New Orleans. It. It's all about having the best players. If you have the best players, it doesn't matter what they do because they're doing the same thing at home. You don't think that they're going to casinos and but going it's out different and different in Las Vegas after parties. Uh, yeah, but you can get drunk in a lot of places. That's true. That is that is very very true yeah. that you can do. You just that. want to keep people out of the bunny ranch. Yeah, that's the. That's, oh no, ranch! Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. We gotta we gotta wrap this show up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do. I mean, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. That's just no. good advice. That's just good advice. <laughs> Lamar Odom spent like three days having a night there. He almost wow. died, Randy. Right? Yeah. Oh. Randy, it wasn't died. the bunny ranch that was the problem in that story. <laughs> oh, it was the drugs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my word. Lamar, There's Lamar. gonna be so many people they'll be like, wait, what well Yeah. Lamar took a nap. Let's let's just put it that way. Almost uh, almost a dirt nap. But he, he did take a, he did take oh a nap. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so well, bad. We, we've got a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. More of the same kind of material. He, uh, we'll just say, okay, uh Tim McKernan, Bunny Ranch, go. And uh that's an hour right there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be through it. Tim can you say dirt nap on the air? I don't think you could say it on the 101 airwaves. Uh, is it good that? to know? Uh, that is our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes, I did. I'm glad. Coffee, the, you overcame the coffee mishap. I did. Um, the coffee pants, it's a it's a sad situation. Well, yeah, we discovered coffee on her pants. Something new. Which woke you up more, drinking the coffee or spilling it all over yourself? Um, spilling it all over Stop drinking the coffee. Just spill it all over yourself. It wakes your right up. That definitely will wake you up. <laughs> Life hack. Just spill coffee on yes. your pants. It'll wake you up really quickly. <laughs> Danny Mack will be back with us tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.